When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. July 5th, also hump Welcome in, everybody. We are back. Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network, Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis hanging out with you. Gunner, what's going on, my man? This food for thought. Yes. This four-day weekend we just had was not long enough. <laughs> Wasn't long enough. Let's install that permanently. Yeah, we need to uh we need more mental health breaks. Yes. Um, it was like it just flew by. And of course, as you and Tone saw on the show meeting, I've been held captive for the last 48 hours by three militant midgets. <laughs> so it's been uh, it's been interesting, to say the least. My so, man. so the second, by the way, what's up, Forrest? What's up, Twiz? GG, Mr. Taz. Who else do we have here? What's James. Up, I see everybody. William, uh, if I missed anybody, I James, I apologize. Uh, we see all you guys. So the second Derek steps onto the meeting, our, our pre-show meeting, I, I, you could hear like the grandkids in the background, Tata, or is that what they say? Or Tata? Yeah. yeah. Screaming for you. And the second you came on, it was like right on brand. And then, you know, they're, they're, the room's trashed, the whole thing. It's just like, man, my whole, oh, my man. whole, my whole room is trashed because I slept on the floor, made a bed <laughs> on the floor with a 10-month-old because he's like Velcro. He won't let me out of his sight. If I move, he wakes up. Yeah. But yet his mother and dad tell me, you know, he sleeps through the night at home. <laughs> and he does it. He sleeps in his crib. He won't sleep in his crib. If I put him down in the crib, he could be snoring. As soon as I put him about an inch from that mattress, his arms shoot straight out and he's screaming until I pick him back up. And yeah, I'm thinking, why does he do that here, but not at home? Oh my God! Yeah, I don't know, man. I, it's um, it does always seem that way, right? Or you hear like, oh, they're so good for me. You're like, yeah. well, that's yeah. not the way they were for us. Yeah, yeah. Well, we used to babysit our nieces and nephews. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, they're good kids. I mean, a ten month, yeah. it's a ten month old. What do you expect from? Yeah, of course. Of the two year old, the, the the middle one, she'll be two on this Saturday, and they're having a big birthday bash for seventy five people. Whoa. All this stuff, uh, sandwiches, trucks, and all this crap they're making for it. Um, but it's like, 
I think it's the grandparents' fault because we give them leniency that the parents don't give. That's true. And then the parents have to reel them back in. So like the two-year-old, she defies my wife this morning. We had to put her in one of these. It's not a crib. It's like a playpen area. Yeah, yeah. But it was was full of toys. She decides to take all the toys and start throwing them out. And her grandmother says, stop. She looks at her grandmother point blank and says, no. Ooh. And if anybody knows us, we don't accept no. We didn't accept it from our kids, so we sure don't accept it from our grandchildren. Yep. So we put her on timeout in there for a while. She <laughs> kept throwing the toys out until I came down. And her, my voice scares her when I start, when I raise my voice yeah. to pick all this up. So she uh, she had to get out and pick everything up. But uh, she was on extended timeout. In and her pack a- and play. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you saw, that's what you're basically a pack and play. And you saw she was sitting on the couch here while I was doing a show meeting and I had to entertain her. She had two things that, that entertained her. She loves the veggie straws. These things you get, they're like potato yeah. chips, but they're veggie straws uh-huh. and cocoa melon. The, the show, you're, you, are you familiar with cocoa melon? No, no, no. But okay. I, I, I mean, I've heard it. I have never okay. seen it yet. So if I ever meet the cocoa melon characters in pu- in person, I will punch them dead square in their face. <laughs> I'm so sick of cocoa melon songs and, and, and the, it's a cute, it's a cute cartoon series. I will say that. Yeah. But when you've seen every episode 120 times, after after a while, enough is enough. Oh my God! All right. Well, you're you you we'll see we'll see if you can make it through the show today. But uh, see everybody. What's up, Mood Swing Bella? What's up, Danny D? What's up, Fitness Rebel? We got a big one today because Lane Johnson is going to be joining us at one o'clock. So we have Eagles oh, right tackle. Yeah. yeah, Lane Johnson coming up at one. So we're excited about that. Talk to Lane about everything, man. What's going on in the off season? Uh, Jordan Mailata got married this weekend. Saw him singing Stevie Wonder to his bride. Isn't she lovely? That there guy's unbelievable, man. Woo! That guy's unbelievable. So wow. uh, we'll talk to him about that, about Kelsey, about Jalen Hurts, who is one of his workout partners uh, in Oklahoma. We'll see. I like it when Lane joins us from the uh, from the barn, which is his 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 converted workout, uh, you know, center basically on the I house. Think, I think he's I think he's in Oklahoma City. I think the barn's at his house here, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he's in Oklahoma City. He was in Hawaii. Now he's back home in Oklahoma City. Well, he's from Texas originally. It's where his family's from. Mm-hmm. But you know, he went to uh, he went to uh, Oklahoma. So he, I think he has a place in Oklahoma City also, or either um, is that where his kids are? Maybe his kids are in Oklahoma City. I can't keep up with this guy. Can't keep up. But we'll, we'll, either way, he's going to be joining us from somewhere. Uh, Happy the- birthday, Tyler. Yeah, what's up, Tyler? Happy birthday! Uh, the the beauty of uh, of technology now is he can join us from anywhere on the on the planet, you know. So he's going to be joining us at one o'clock. So we're looking forward to hanging out with Lane. Um, oh, by the way, uh, JM says, "Hey, uh, can we put up that email again?" Oh so yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, tone. There you go. Uh, Sports take Jacob at gmail.com. Sports take Jacob at gmail.com. You guys can send if if you if you just if you missed last week, we set up the. Uh, the email address. So you can send us pictures. We get the, it's a way for us to put the name yep. and the face together. Questions. And it was kind of cool. You guys were giving us like stuff from when you were a kid and then versus the adult now, which is great. We're, we love to throw that up, but yeah, any questions, anything, Hey, I really like this. When you guys do this, can you do more or whatever? Any kind of suggestions? Hey, we're game. Yep. We're game yep. for it. We just, we want to find more ways to connect with you guys. So we, we definitely appreciate it. And we, as much as you guys could hit that like button, we appreciate it on your end too. So let's, uh, let's make all that happen. Um, hey, by the way, how was your fourth uh, extended weekend? It was good. I worked, 
What I, I did the morning show Monday and Tuesday uh, for WIP. I work Sunday. I had off Saturday, so I had a day. Uh, it was good. It was good. I, um, you know, I just chilled. I just chilled. You know what I watched? I watched the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary on Netflix. Yeah, how was it? Called Arnold. I thought it was re- really good. Really yeah. good overall. I, I particularly enjoyed the first two. The first one is growing up in Austria and the bodybuilding years, how he really established himself. And then the second one is breaking into Hollywood, acting, okay. action movies, all those kind of things. And then the third one is politics. It, I felt like that one was a, a little drawn out with the political stuff. It didn't okay. get political. It, it was just like walk through his political career okay. as the governor. Um, but it was, it was all in all real. I would, I would recommend it. It's, it's probably three parts. It is three parts, probably about an hour each. So you're not, you're not dedicating a ton of time to it. Did, did he talk about his love child with him? Nanny? He did. Oh, he did. Yeah. He addressed that. He addressed it in his, uh, in the, in part three. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yep. And he owned it. I mean, he didn't, he didn't duck it away from it. So he, uh, he was very frank about some of the mistakes that he made in his life. And that was one of them. Um, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I, it's definitely worth it. Uh, yeah. And, and Tone said in the, in our chat, he was vulnerable. He was vulnerable. I thought he was very honest. He's got a real great outlook on life. Like he is a, He's a very positive guy um, who visualizes everything. Okay. So in other words, he was in Austria. He didn't want to grow up like, I don't want to give all this away, but he didn't want to grow up like everybody else did in Austria and do the same thing, being a factory or, or whatever. Right, right. He had his own visions. He was told nobody with an accent can make it in Hollywood. What are you kidding me? And then he makes it in Hollywood. Nobody like you could be in politics. You're not born in the in the United States. You know, you're a movie actor, blah, blah, blah. And, he, you know, he said Ronald Reagan, you know, uh, anyway. So he's got a very, like, nothing's going to stop me kind of, even now. Like, you see him working out at, like, 76 or whatever he is. You're like, whoa, Jeez. it's still crazy. Yeah. And he's honest about steroid use. He's very, he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I give him props. Like, he, he was, he laid it out, so... Uh, anyway, it was good. I watched I that. Watch, I'm gonna watch it. I, I, every time I'm on Netflix, I see it pop up, and I'm like, "Not yet, not yet." But now yeah. you've inspired me to expedite my my yeah. viewership. I would say it's definitely uh, a, a nice little escape for a few hours. So I, I would tell you, I would say to people, check that out. Yeah, I didn't um, last night. I wor- like I said, I worked early, and then we just kind of chilled. Didn't do much. Um, didn't go out and do you know watch the fireworks or any of that kind of stuff. Just just kind of laid low. Yeah, didn't do yeah. a whole lot. So it was all good. It was all good. Cool. That's for sure. Cool. Um, all right. So a couple other things. Phillies win yesterday. Uh, really well pitched game. It was it was Nola and Eflin, uh, who were best friends uh, from, yeah. from the Phillies days. Both guys, you know, went at it yesterday. And Eflin was having is having a great year for the race. But Nola outdueled him. Nola was that was what? peak Nola yesterday. Dude, let me tell you something. What a pitching duel that was. That was by far Nola's best outing of the year. Yep. His breaking pitch was off the charts. His night, his sneaky 94-mile-an-hour fastball right where it needed to be, corner to corner. Tampa couldn't touch it. You know, it was just – and Eflin was dealing too. I mean, yep. Nola had nine strikeouts through the first four innings. Yeah. And he finished with uh, 12, I believe. Mm-hmm. Man, what you're talking about dealing, that Aaron Nola right there will get a multi-billion dollar contract. That's yeah. what that dude. I'm telling you, he was. Well, the problem is, you don't know when he's going to do it. Right, that's the issue. Like the issue is, he's given you similar, not maybe not as good as yesterday, but similar performances before. And you're like, all right, next one, he's going to be great. He's going to carry that right over, and then he looks like a totally different guy. So I don't know. I don't know what. 
don't know what it's going to look like the next time he pitches. I really, I have no idea. I don't either. Yeah, it's hard to say. But nonetheless, they get a good win against a quality team. Yes. And Derek, they're rolling on the road. This is yeah, now, yeah. this is 10 straight on the road. Their longest streak since 76. Unbelievable. Uh, you know what? I vote that they play the entire rest of their <laughs> schedule on the road. For some reason, this team is a much different team on the road than they are at home. Yeah. Except we still have one problem. Trey Turner and his errors. I can't figure it out. So he's got 10 errors on the season. Yeah, two he, yesterday. Yeah, I think he – I I believe his number last year for the, the entire season was 16. Like, he's on pace to shatter that. I don't know, man. Like, he, um, he's been very disappointing. You know, even – even the thing with Castellanos last year, as much as he didn't hit, especially in the clutch last year, late in the year, he made mm-hmm. big defensive plays for you. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing that from Turner. These are uh, and Derek. The other thing is these are not high degree of difficulty plays. No, they're not. These are plays you. He makes it asleep normally. No, the first one, the first one he let go under his glove. He he should have been able to get in front of that one. Yeah. I don't know why he was reaching for it to begin with, unless he just. I know he got a late start on. I don't know if he had a brain lapse or what. Didn't get to it under his glove. Then he does it again and again. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I, I mean, what's I mean? He's not hitting, although he's sporadically he's marginally better like he's he's not as bad as he was earlier but it's still not good enough no no and i I don't know what it is i think it's a philly curse man i don't know i don't know i don't know what it is but all right so the other thing yesterday and initially it looked like it was going to get rained out joey chestnut uh (laughs) the nathan's hot dog eating contest Oh my goodness! So it got post. It was it was postponed for a little while because of the weather in New York, and then I think he and a bunch of the other contestants were like, "Come on, let's do this thing." So they did it, and he ended up winning again. It's the 16th time in 17 years he did 62 hot dogs in 10 minutes. What is this dude's cholesterol level like, man? And he's not a heavy guy. No, he's not. No, he's not. It's but what weird. impresses me more, even more so, is the volume of world records he holds. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's not just hot dogs. He can do it. any kind of competitive eating contest. He can do it. I'm like, dude, your 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 veins have got to be like cement by now. <laughs> I mean, I mean, 16 of the last, and, and even more importantly, I can't believe how popular this Nathan's hot dog eating contest has become now. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like a national staple now. It really is. So he's you ready for the, some of these numbers? 18,414 calories yesterday. This is just yesterday. 18,000. 1,129 total fat. 1,488 carbohydrates. 682 grams of protein. I, I mean, that is, that's some serious damage to yourself. But. Dude, that's, that's like a, a Molotov cocktail to your body. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't think I want to know what he does afterwards, but I wonder if there's some kind of like cleansing routine in the in the like week or two afterwards. I wonder. Oh, like an, like uh like uh, an X legs type or enemas or uh, something. I don't. Man. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know what? Only your devious mind would go. There. <laughs> it was bad. I you don't beat know. You do it. That's the problem. You beat me to it. I should have said something like that. Yeah, it's bad. Man. It's bad. So anyway, that so that went down yesterday. Um, baseball wise, you know the Angels were having a pretty good year. Yep, they hit some problems now. So Trout oh. Trout's out now with a broken hammock bone 
in his in his wrist and his hand. It's a bone that connects like your wrist into your uh, your your wrist into your hand essentially. Uh, he's out with that for several weeks at least. It could be longer. In August, yeah, yeah. Um, and then yesterday, and Rendon's been hurt since the second he got there. He's yeah. hurt again. He fouls a ball off his shin. They said there's no fracture, but he was. He was down and out after he hit it. It hit, hit it right above the, the little shield they wear on their on their ankle and shin. He hit it above that. So he went down like he was shot. And then the worst part is Otani leaves the game with blisters. He started the game, you know, he's pitching and wasn't pitching while you're like, something's up because nobody's been hit, hit, hitting him like this. Um, now it looks like he may not start the All-Star game now. Which is a shame because I'm yeah. sure a lot of people – are going there to see him pitch, you know, probably the one and only time they would get to see him pitch as well as make it a, you know, like a lot of people do make it a vacation type weekend, extended week type thing. That's a shame. You want, if he won't be able to take the hill on the all-star because his season his, his stuff. Legends are made of the way he pitches, the way he hits. You have never seen that before. We'll never see that again. What well, no correction. Maybe another athlete will come along in our lifetime. You know, things change so rapidly nowadays. But, dude, the fact that he's doing what he does, you know, if he's not the MVP, the award should not be given out in the American League this year. I agree. I, I just – I want to see this guy stay healthy and let's see what he can do for an entire yes. season. You know, yes. that's that's what I want Especially to Especially on the grand stage like the postseason, if they get in the postseason, if they keep playing the way they are, I know they got a lot of injuries now, but if they can keep playing the way they are and keep controlling that division, you know, he, he deserves to be on a grand stage. So everybody who can't see him regionally because you're know, not on their cable system or whatever it is, their you know, RSN system there, uh, should be able to see him on a national platform because he is a special treat to watch, man. Yeah, and, and look, and that's why it's a bummer he's not pitching, uh, probably isn't going to pitch in the All-Star game. But at least if it's nothing more than just blisters, you know, you let it heal a little bit sure. over the All-Star sure. break, he should be able to get back out on the mound. So let's hope that's all it is uh, for him. All right, question for you here, Derek. Yes. We are real close. In fact, we're 20 days away from Eagles training camp. We're that close. Okay, we're 67 days away from the uh, from the opener. So uh, my question for you and our and the audience and our, and our you know, people streaming, people listening, our chat mm. section, what is it that you love about football? If you, if you could sum it up in one sentence, what is it that you love about football? It's the sounds of pads hitting. Mm. It's the sounds of, of guys going at it, pads hitting. Um, I know a lot of people anticipate it because it gets closer to the regular season. You know how I feel about that. To me, it's a sign that fall is right around the corner. But it took, to me, it's the, it's, it's the pads hitting. Uh, it's the guys getting out there, getting that rust off. And you're competing against a bunch of young, hungry guys who are trying to make uh, a, t- a team as well to try to fulfill their dreams. It's the older guys trying to hold on to what they've had for X amount of years. And everybody's giving that little extra, especially when you got new coaches or a new coaching staff. Everybody gives a little bit extra. Now, obviously, with the new CBA, a lot of what we, we know uh, when it comes to the start of a football season doesn't exist anymore. But you still have those few moments where you hear that pop, 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 pop. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's that's what football is, man. What about I, you? I love that. My answer is kind of weird. I love the anticipation. Like, as much as I love the game itself, I, and I do, I love the buildup that week. I love once we get to, like, Wednesday or Thursday, like, I can't wait. And then waking up Sunday or Monday, whenever, Thursday now, 
knowing that there's a game that day, like okay. just knowing that you have it in your back pocket, all oh, the games at one or whatever. I love that. It's like, I get more excited about that than any other sport. It's okay. not to say like, I'm looking forward to the Phillies tonight and all that, but there's nothing like football because it's only once a week because it's yeah. not 162 or 82 or whatever that there's only 17 of them. You know how important each game is, which means you're getting everything out of these guys. Like that, that's the difference with football and the other sports is every, every single game that's played is so it's almost like a playoff game. It's so critical. I love that part of it. The urgency. That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. Not only that, but um, when you, it's enhanced by a rivalry, like when it's Eagles in Dallas, um, Green Bay, Minnesota, but Green Bay, Chicago, you know, one of those rivalries that, that, that just, they just brings out something extra in the fan base. Yeah. And, and, and the closer you get to the game, it seems like the further away you're getting from the game because it's not here yet. Mm-hmm. And people get in this feeding frenzy. And then by game time, they unleash all that week long worth of tension has been built up all that anxiety, <clears throat> you know, all that passion just comes out to the forefront. And then, when you get the rematch oh. with that opponent, with that with that rival, man, there's nothing like you're right, and it's only once a week. And now because you have Thursday night football, you know if you play on a Thursday, you got to wait ten days instead of seven days oh. for that next game, man. Well, that's the hard thing about the night game. Well, Thursday is is its kind of own animal, that's for yeah. sure. But the night game is just it's forever. The wait is oh, oh come oh. on, let's go, you know, and. and Man, I, there is so much. There is so much. Way, you know, like Jake says, all the all the great storylines. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I think there are a lot of great storylines. Twiz says it brings the family together. Yeah, that and that's a fun cool. thing too. Cool. Like, hey, let's go. It's Sunday. We're all meeting over, you know, dads or you know, my cousins yeah. or whatever. Like, that's really cool too. I love this kind of stuff, man. I like. I think it's. I think it's also it's like sports is the ultimate bonder too. But um, yeah, football. I would say that. <sighs> trying to think of some of the other things i I don't know about you derek i've been watching they've been running a lot of america's games i've been watching all that stuff yes yeah like i watched uh, i've been watching so many of those it's cool to go back like i went back and i was watching a bunch of the steelers ones from the 70s and uh, you just the reminders of certain things that you tend to forget over the years about little things that happen um it's also the adversity that you got to deal with during a season there's yeah. going to be injuries. There's going to be moments. And the Eagles were pretty lucky. They didn't face a ton of adversity last year. But usually there's a lot. And I go back to the Super Bowl 52 team. You lose your quarterback and you still are able to overcome that. That's pretty special. I love I love the, the element of not only does it bring back memories of when you saw the game, but you start to see little things that you didn't notice when you watched the game back then. And on top of that, the narrator always enlightens you with backdoor stories um, that you never knew about, you never heard of what they went. You're right, what they went through, week in and week out, what the battle cry was, and then you get to hear a lot of the sideline comments from the players as they're playing certain games uh, on their journey to greatness that particular season. Um, I love them, and I've, I've watched so many America's games over the past couple of weeks. It's not even funny. Well, the one I was watching, uh, it was yesterday. There was one. For the Giants team that won won it in ninety, the the wide right, uh, you, you know, against the Bills, yeah, that team. Yeah. I didn't realize, like, um, Jeff Hostetler wanted out 
He wanted out. He didn't want to play for Parcells. He right. felt like he was getting screwed. He, wa- he wanted to get more playing time, this and that. Over the years, they, he was ready to retire at the end of the season. He told his yep. wife, like, I just can't do this anymore. Yep. I'm done. Yep. And at one point, it was weird. This is before Phil Sims got hurt. Sims was actually playing pretty well in a game, and it was still a relatively close game. He pulled Sims and put Hostetler in there for a game, like kind of out of nowhere. And and Hostetler was like, wait, you want me? Phil's not even hurt. Like So anyway, he went in. He, I think he played pretty well. I guess it gave him a little bit of confidence, and he was able to play with the ones in a big spot. And it was like great sight, like great vision by Parcells. Then Sims gets hurt, and the rest is history. When Hostetler comes in there, they end up winning a Super Bowl. So it was, it was pretty wild, man. Some of the stuff I didn't remember that. It's little things you forget during the season. Exactly, I had no idea. You yeah. know, and, and and you hear some of the personal triumphs that players had to overcome um, to get to where they are. The thing, um, which one was I, which one was I watching? Um, one player he played with a, with a broken hand, and he rebroke the hand during the game. He pushes a player out of bounds, and he rebroke the hand again. Oh. And he was supposed to be out of X amount of weeks, and he came back in a shorter amount of time. Oh, it was Carl Banks. Okay, Carl Banks uh, played with his hand wrapped up, looked like a big ball of tape. <laughs> yeah, and he rebroke it again. And he also tells a story about how when he first arrived at training camp as a rookie, when he met Mr. Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> Um, and uh, the other linebackers, and they were saying, well, yeah, well, what do you bring to the table? He was already intimidated by him, but they were, like, testing him. Okay. We got enough linebackers. Why do we need you type thing? So they're playing a psyche game on him. And, man, it's just just the volume of great stories that you never knew. Yeah. I wonder, too. And the other thing I noticed is even something like that that you just brought up, like, I don't – could you see, like, a present-day player doing that to a to, – like, could you see an Eagle player doing that to uh, to Jalen Carter? Like, what do you bring to the table? Like, they just don't treat yeah. each other like yeah. that anymore. Yeah. They're not trying to test guys anymore. Even Parcells at one point was like – they asked him about polling Sims, and he's like, look, if he can't handle it, he's not my quarterback anyway. I don't ca- – yeah. like, you never see that kind of stuff anymore. Heck no. Everything now is such a psychology – you know, game of psychology – you know, lift the guys up no matter what. Even when they stink, don't yell at them too much and build them up, build up their confidence. You just never know when you might need it. Back then, the Bill Parcells, the Tom Landry's, all these guys, they didn't care about that. They, got, they were going to tell you what they, the Chuck Knowles, they were going to tell you what they thought, how they thought, and you either accepted it or you would not be a part of what they were trying to build. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun. It was fun. Anyway, all right, so let's uh, let's hit it. Let's come back. We haven't even touched on this. What a wild couple weeks here for the Sixers. Uh, I mean, James Harden is is leaving. He's coming back. No, he's leaving. No, he's coming back. I don't know what's going on at this point, Derek. So let's dig into it when we come back uh, because he and Embiid and Harris and, and, and Tobias Harris and Josh Harris were all together at a party over the weekend. Let's get into that when we come back. One o'clock. Lane Johnson is going to be joining us. So we're looking forward to hanging out with Lane and you can email us sports, Jacob at gmail.com sports, Jacob at gmail.com. You want to send us pictures. You want to send us thoughts on the show. Uh, anything, any, anything that catches your eye, send it our way. All right. We appreciate it. All right. Let's get a timeout. Let's come back and we'll talk to, uh, we'll talk to Lane at one. We'll talk some Sixers when we return. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We are sports take Jacob sports, YouTube network. Let's talk about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Yes, Bravo Pizza is a part of the family sports take. Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I've been going there since I was a kid. They have been family-owned since 1985. You have Alex and his great crew 
They're there seven days a week, just putting out the best food possible. All right. Every single dish is made fresh. They offer 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. They, uh, they get, they do the, you name it, we'll make it specialized type of pizza, but not just pizza. It's whatever you're, you're, you're looking forward to that night, fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads. Bravo pizza of Havertown is also committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charity schools, little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You could follow them on Instagram and Facebook at the Bravo Pizza of Havertown for daily specials and promotions. Their address is 1305. That's 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, Pennsylvania. That is 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown. Give them a call right now, 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? Yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama. She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh.
Welcome back, everybody. Sports Take, Jacob Sports, YouTube Network, Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis. One o'clock, Lane Johnson will be joining the program. Eagles right tackle. All right. Uh, Sixers, Derek, look, you, you know what my stance has been on this from the jump. I thought Harden would opt out. Um, I never believed that Houston was really in play for him. I didn't think there were a lot of other suitors. My best guess is the way this went down is that he and his agent weren't liking what they were hearing from the Sixers in terms of years. My guess is it really came down to years. Uh, and they thought they were going to get three and the Sixers weren't willing to go there. They read the market. They realized Houston was out. They realized Phoenix was out when they, after they traded for Bradley Beal. And they looked around and they said, you know what? The best thing to do right now is opt in and force a trade. Now, here's the interesting part about the opt-in. He can't extend his contract. Nope. Can't, the Sixers can't extend it. And wherever he gets traded to, they can't extend. He's totally rolling the dice on himself for a one-year deal. So we were kind of left with that idea that, hey, he, he wants out. He's opted in with the idea that the team is going to trade him. So we're sitting there thinking, all right, at what point does he get dealt? And the most likely candidate seemed like it was going to be the Clippers. But what's happened over the last day or two, all the talking heads, the the Woges and the, the Windhorst and you know Chris Haynes and Shams, all the guys who report on this for a living are basically saying, you know what? Uh, it's not 100% he leaves. They may try to you know just kiss and make up and have him play this year out, you know, with a great attitude and all that. And meanwhile, last night, Michael Rubin, who used to be the Sixers team owner, who still has a big presence around the team, even though he doesn't own them anymore, had his white party, which is, you know, like Jay-Z and Beyonce. Did you see the video? Oh, my God. I I mean. Who's who at this party? Heavy hitters, okay? Heavy hitters in, in the world of entertainment. But among the people who were there, Josh Harris, Sixers owner. Oh, yes. Tobias Harris, Sixers forward, Joel Embiid, Sixers center, and James Harden. James did Harden. The, did you see the picture with Embiid with his shoulder, uh, arm around James Harden's shoulder? There's pictures of them hugging and you know, blah, 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 and all this other stuff. So I'm thinking, like, is he, is, could he possibly be coming back or is all this just posturing? What, what do you think about everything that's gone down? Um, First of all, if, if if Harden stays with the Sixers, can they can they redo his deal or no? No. He has opt-in for that price. See, yep. to me, it sounds like there's been some cloak and dagger involved here. I wonder if the Sixers promised Harden something, and that's uh, before he uh, uh, before he opted in. Then they may have pulled the rug from under him, and he had no choice but to opt in because anybody else might have offered him a lot less than what he was going to get well, if well, that, he was going to go somewhere else. I think it goes back to last year, Derek. So I think that he feels like he left $15 million on the table yep. uh, to allow the Sixers to go out and make a couple moves like Tucker, like Daniel House. He, he and his agent view it as, we gave you a break on that end. You need to step to the table now. And I don't think the Sixers were willing. To, and I, this is where I give Maury credit, too. Maury drew a line, and he didn't let his friendship with Harden you know, completely blur his objectivity. So I do yeah. give him props for that. But it pissed Harden off, clearly, and, and and or his agent or whatever. So here we are. So if he comes back, what mindset will he be at for the entire season? Bingo. Especially if what the rumors we've heard are true, is that he voiced his displeasure with the powers to be in the Sixers' office. Can he just focus on playing basketball? Or is this something that will be a powder keg that could explode at any given moment? Once he gets – human nature, Rob, you know what? We can hold things in for so long. But once we feel like we're being duped, 
um, all of a sudden, the right moment, the right time, and the, the right question will all of a sudden pull the trigger on that powder keg. And then all of a sudden, the Sixers are caught between a rock and a hard place because would they trade him during the season? Is it possible? I mean, because if he's banking on one year at age 33, that means he's losing money. He's not going to recoup because he'll be a year older next year. And anybody who's out there is going to use that as leverage against him. And and that's what I wonder about. Like, we've seen him when he's checked out on a place, what happens? You know, Houston, he put on the fat suit and forced his way out. We know how that worked. Yep. We saw him do it in Brooklyn. You know, he's a guy who, when he's done, he's kind of done. Right. And I wonder, like, what are you getting with him if you're if you don't trade him? We're hearing he would like to go to the Clippers. You know, he grew up in L.A. But I I think I would worry about that big time. What? And and think about this, too. Derek, let's say it's like game 35 of the of the regular season. And they're playing Charlotte and he has zero motivation to to play. Right. Hey, I don't feel good. My, My hamstring hurts. My back's sore. Like, there you go. There you go. I just, I, I think you're playing a dangerous game if you're the Sixers bringing him back. If, if in fact that's where this goes. Well, I think maybe, or, or maybe the Sixers miscalculated, asking for way too much, not reading the market right on James Harden, asking for way too much in return for Harden. And people, if you notice, teams that were supposedly interested in him got out of that, uh, got out of the interest bracket real quick. Once they found out what the Sixers were asking for, they're like, "I'm not. We're not giving you that for James Harden. Mm-hmm. No, 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 we're not doing it." And, and bowed out real quick. And now the Sixers are sitting there going, "Uh oh, we got a problem because now we can't move him." So, if he plays for this team, and we know James Harden is now shy about speaking his mind, the Sixers have to be sitting on pins and needles, wondering when is he going to spill the beans and what happened. Well, that too. Like, even if he doesn't do it personally, when does this get leaked out? Right. You know, when, it's, you know it's coming. It's you coming. coming. It's only a matter of time. Now, the other the other part of this is this could be like any other negotiation. One party goes in here, the other party goes here. You figure you you know, Derek, you've been through this with your contracts over the years with TV, right? We we've we've kind of lived this. So Daryl Morey right now might be driving a really hard bargain. What he's asking for in return for Harden. Let's just, let's take the Clippers, for example, just hypothetically. And he's, I want this. I want that. I want this. I want that. And the Clippers are like, no, like we're not doing that right now. So we're at an impasse. That doesn't mean that you can't come to this at some point and get this thing done. So as we, you know, there's not the urgency as we sit here in early July that you would have as we inch closer, let's say September, when you get close to the season starting in October. So Sixers fans may have to sit through this for a couple of more months. It doesn't mean it won't get done before the season starts. That that could also be where we're at. Well, here's the problem too, Rob. Um, if, 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 if I'm the Clippers, and I, we don't know this for a fact, what if the Sixers said, we want Kawhi? Are you giving up Kawhi for James Harden? No. No. Okay. So if the Sixers do move him, they could be left with egg on their face because they may not get value back. It may get to a point where it's so contentious, you got to move him just to get him out of here, and you end up getting marginal players at the very best. Now, if that's the case, yes, your team is definitely worse than it is better. Mm-hmm. And 
you know how people are going to jump on the Sixers for that. But they've been left no choice. They went to one extreme. They thought they could get somebody to bite on their demands. That didn't happen. Right. Now you're left with the other extreme is, do we just move him and get role players? You already got a bunch of role players on the team outside of Maxi and Harden. You're even to buy, you got a bunch of role players. So what do you, what do you, you're not getting better? No. Look at no. all the moves that have been made in the NBA during free agency. Right. I mean, in teams, you look at a lot of moves and you're saying, that team got better. Right. That team got better. You know, you can't say that about the Sixers. No, they're the same. I, you know, if anything, they lost a couple of bench pieces, you know, Niang and a couple other guys. So, and I'm not telling you those guys are the end all be all, but you lost some depth off of your bench. So, the, the question is, if you do decide to go this route, you're basically running it back with, yeah. with Harden and Harris. And, yeah. okay, I know there's a new coach, but really, are we are we to believe people who follow this team that this is going to look any differently because yeah. it's Nick Nurse, not Doc Rivers? No, Sixers fans aren't buying that. They're not buying it. And not only that, but, you know, the Sixers come back and they've lost a couple of pieces, yeah. a couple of bench pieces. So they're definitely not the same same team now. Where are they going to at this stage? Where are they had no draft picks? So where are they getting the bodies to fill the bench? Because anything that's out there right now is like eleventh or twelfth man on a roster. Mm-hmm. That's not what you need. You no. need people that can help elevate your play, not stagnate your play. And there's nothing out there right now. Yeah, I, I, look, I'm with you, Derek. So so then there. That's sort of like the the one obviously huge piece of this thing the other thing that we're hearing and this was uh brian windhorst of espn and a couple of others reporting that if if the sixers were to be willing to move tyrese Maxey, you could make a deal with portland to get damian lillard so that this is complicated in a couple of levels right number one lillard wants to go to the heat like clearly wants to go to the heat right now, I know he has a no trade and they could trade him wherever they want, but, you know, he, if he doesn't want to come here, do you really want a guy who's like kicking and screaming coming here ultimately? Yeah. yeah. But the other part of it is, and I mean, I love Tyrese Maxey, love everything about him. Like the guys can, you know, it just uh, a contagious in a good way. Like, you know, he's just got that, that smile, the attitude, the guy's a gym rat, impossible not to like him as a human being. And he's, he's a really good player. But I would at, at this point, if I'm trying to win it with Embiid, I got to pull the trigger on a Maxi trade for Lillard. That's just me. Now a lot of people disagree with that. They wouldn't move Maxi for Lillard because Lillard's 33 years old. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I personally would. Where, where are you at with that? That that's a tough one. You know, when you look at a kid like Maxi, he has a lot of up upside to him. Um, we still have to wait and see if he can develop into a true point guard. A lot of people feel that he's not. He's an off guard. Um, Damian Lillard is, is a prolific scorer. No question about that. But father time is not on his side anymore. Right. And who's to say he would fit into Nick Nurse scheme the way he has basically free reign to do what he wants to do in Portland. You know, Nick Nurse has a scheme here. And we don't know if, if, if Nick Nurse is, is such a defensive minded coach, we don't know if Damian Lillard fits that bill. Right. Because then you, you, you got a, you got a one dimensional player. You got a score but you're playing four and five on the other end of the court, mm-hmm. you know, and you, so you don't know. Plus he's got a humongous contract. Yeah. So you really don't know. And if he doesn't want to be here, why would you bring him here? That And, and that's the thing too. Like, but the, you know, the other tough part is, and I was thinking about this the other day. 
All right, you're Nick Nurse, and you just you just took this thing over. You don't know if you're going to have Harden. No. You don't know if you're going to have Tobias Harris. You nope. don't know if you're going to have, you know, somehow Lillard ends up here. Like, it's really hard to start laying the plans for what you want to do when you have no idea what your personnel looks like. And he has no idea right now what his personnel looks like. And especially your bench rotation. Yeah. Now, now that a few players have defected elsewhere, you don't know what your bench is going to look like. Nope. And you don't know how you. Know, we don't know how deep Nick Nurse likes to go on the bench. If he's handcuffed, he may be stuck playing seven, eight players a night. You do that, you're going to run these guys in the ground by the time the playoffs roll around. Yeah, I agree with you. I you agree know, with you. So if you don't have a deep bench, that's one thing. You know, you look at a team like Miami and Boston; they had deep benches. That's why they were able to do a lot of what they do. Milwaukee, deep bench. Yep. You know, if you're playing seven, eight guys a night, man, you know, and you get the game 65, 68, 72, these guys are dragging it. And that's yeah, understandable. You know, yep. you can't blame it on them. You know, well, I, so, yeah, I, I don't know, Rob. I, I'm telling you right now, I got a bad feeling about this Sixer situation, man. And I'm basically, I'm tired. I'm tired of this whole soap opera, to be, be honest with you. I said to you guys in our, in our show meeting, you and Tone, when, when we were going over this, I'm like, the Sixers are exhausting. Yes. Like, like I get drama's great and we want drama now. And there's, there does seem like there's always something to talk about with them. You know, we're sitting here in July when there's usually no NBA news. Like I, I'm not as a host, I'm going to sound like a hypocrite a little bit. Like I, I'm glad that there's something for us to talk about content wise, but it's, it, it's like all the wrong things. You know what I mean? Like I, I wish it was when we talk about the Eagles, you know, you're kind of looking forward. Man, Hertz just got his contract, and what a year he's gonna. It's it, yeah. it all feels like it's more positive. With the Sixers, it's like this guy's unhappy, and you are you gonna move this guy? What? Do you, and then I'm watching them; they're hugging at a party. So what's really going on here? I can't figure any of it out with them. No, I, I'm telling you right now, this is one of the best mind games I've seen in a long time. I would like to know how the conversation went or if there was a conversation at the white party between Harden and Josh Harris and, and the powers that be, did they just avoid each other? Did they talk business or just say right away? You know, it is sometimes you're like, look, man, you know, no shop talk or, or, or yeah, I don't know. Was it something like that? Hey, I, you don't know. We haven't heard anything, you know, that's come out of there. Um, but the fact that they were all at the same place, and there appears to be some tension involved with all parties involved. Um, man, now obviously, they're, 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 as from the video we've seen, the grounds were big enough to where you could avoid somebody. There was enough people there that you didn't have to talk to specific people. You have multitudes of other people you could talk to at this party. Uh, I wish I, I wish we knew exactly if there was eye contact, if there was a dialogue, anything between the Sixers front office and James Harden. Yeah, and I look, I just go back to if if they really think that this is gonna work, like Harden's gonna be a happy camper. I I, I just think if we go back to then I question Maury's judgment again. Like I, I was worried that he was gonna give him too much money or too many years. Now I look at it and I say, like, are you serious thinking this is gonna work with this guy who's who's shown you before when he gets unhappy in a place, he knows how to force his way out. Yep. You know, I, I just I think it's a big mistake if, if they end it. Now, I, I think ultimately he does get traded. I do. I, I I don't think he starts the year with the Sixers. But can I say that for sure? No. This thing's no. taking a lot of twists and turns. And, and, and I'll go back to what I said a little while ago. If they make a deal for Harden, I don't think it's going to be a wow factor deal. I yeah. think they're, they're going to get some mid-level, good role player type players. 
and maybe one of them is going to have to be inserted as a starter, which doesn't make this team better. And if I'm Joel Embiid, I'm thinking, what the heck am I doing here? Well, great point, Derek. That's where I was going to go with you next. I would love to give Embiid some truth serum. And just, dude, where, where are you at with all this? And I And granted, I don't know that he has much room to say anything with the way last year ended, but still. You know, they he wanted Doc Rivers back. Apparently, Doc Rivers got fired. You know, he didn't want he didn't want Butler out of here. No, go back to that. No, you know, and and now James Harden wants out, and Beats kind of got to be like, what are we doing here? What is this? So, so if I'm in Beat, I have to sit back and think, boy, I really don't have much clout with this organization. Right. I'm a franchise player. I made a request to keep the coach gone. Made a request to keep Jimmy Buckets gone. I don't have much of a voice here at all. So again, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sacrificing my body night in and night out. They're not giving me the pieces to work with to make us better. Yeah. Yeah. And the other part of this is let's just say they, they run it back and it, they come up short again. Who's to say Embiid at that point doesn't say, get me out of here. I've taken this as far. I've been here 10 years. I can't go. I can't. We're not going anywhere. I, I'm just getting older here. And you can't seem to put the pieces around me. And I, 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 I'm in saying that I'm not excusing him either because he definitely has ownership in this. But you know how this works in this league. Eventually, guys say, "Get me out of here." I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it started to flatline during the season. All of a sudden, you start hearing his name hot and heavy as possible trade bait before the trade deadline. To be honest with you, yeah. Sixers, if, if it flatlines, the Sixers concede the season. Say the rebuilding process starts now. Get what you can for Embiid because you'll get a lot more for Embiid than you would a James Harden mm-hmm. at this stage. Yep. And if that is the case, Sixers fans are just going to have to come to the realization that this thing is starting all over again. And once you get Embiid out of here, if you do get him out of here, that's me. That means the process is starting all over again. And who knows how long it will take before it's back to respectability? Heck, look how long it took after all of these years of the of the process and these high draft picks of making them a team that was a legit playoff team, supposedly one of the stronger teams in the Eastern Conference, but yet a team that just leveled off once you got to the second round. I know. Okay. I know. Yep. Yeah. Are you willing to are you willing to admit that you know there were mistakes made and you're willing to to kind of reboot and can you ask your fans to sit through that again, you know, like you did the last time? Yeah, I, Mike, I, I, I see your uh, your chat. Yeah, that that's why we brought this up, Mike. This is part of the reason why we're having the discussion. You may have just hopped on, but yeah, we mentioned that they were all together at the uh, Michael Rubin party. Um, you know, the other thing is, here here's the package that I would be okay with, Derek. It's not sexy, but I'd be okay. If they trade him to the Clippers and they get uh, Norman Powell back, they get Terrence Mann back and they get a couple of picks, I'd be good with that, and I get none of those guys are superstars, but Pal's pretty darn good, and he played for Nurse in Toronto. Yeah. I like Terrence Mann, and I wouldn't mind a couple of picks. Like, I can live with that. The other thing that you would be doing if you did that is it becomes Embiid and Maxi. It becomes their team. Maxi gets his opportunity to be that guy. And I would be curious what that looks like, too. You know, as much as I said I would trade him for Lillard, I'm trying to maximize Embiid's window here which i think is two or three years before his body really goes but i i i would be very curious to see what maxi looks like as the number two option here 
You know, a lot of the so-called experts feel that his game is is what it is, that his game won't get much better than it is right now. There's nothing wrong with that. I enjoy watching him play. But he's still such a young player. There is room for improvement. But yet all of the experts feel that he has already reached his max in terms of what he's going to be. Is that good enough to run this offense? I don't know. Especially a Nick Nurse offense. I don't know. We don't know what Nick Nurse is going to ask of him in his offense. Yeah. No, and if that's the case, we still don't know who's the fifth starter. Let's say Tobias is back and James is back. Right. Who's the fifth starter for this this team? Well, that that's yeah, right. And that's I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think their mindset would be this is how I think they would spin it. I think they would spin it if everybody comes back as, hey, we have a new coach. We've tweaked a couple of things here and there, which you know, we know what that means. It's BS. But anyway, that's what they would say. Yeah. And then and then they would say, well, at the end of the year, we're going to have Tobias Harris's $39 million. We're going to have James Harden's uh, almost $36 million. All that comes off the, the books, and, you know, we can start being players again in this thing. Yep, yep. But, but the pro- again, the problem with that is that's another year of Embiid's shelf life. You know, it's another year to, to, to you're asking your fans just to be sort of like – you know, in, in that, that next tier of teams where you know you're not going to – you're not Boston or Milwaukee or Miami for that matter. So, I again, is this – we've talked – you and I have talked about this a lot. Yep. Is this where you start getting hit at the gate? Is this where there aren't as many fannies in the seats at this point for this team? Because they, they, they draw really well, this team. I, I think they'll draw well against the better teams in the league, um, the Denver's. The, the Bostons, the Milwaukee's, but in terms of just um, in terms of just consistent uh, crowd, if they like again, if they level off, you're going to see empty seats. Yep, there'll be people will come out for the big matchups. So if they win, even with this same nucleus, if they win, if this season goes the same way it did last year, regular season, and they win 52, 53 games, people will come out. But you're giving them false hope again mm-hmm. because they're not they're not a better team. And and again, I can't emphasize it enough. You know, we keep talking. I mean, look how many look how many players Miami has already lost. Miami may drop this year. Oh, yeah. They've lost Bruce. They lost Vincent. You know, well, that, that's where they're trying to make the big splash with Lillard. But yeah, you're right. They've lost some really key pieces. Okay. Yeah. Boston, I think, got better. Milwaukee re-signed, you know, Lopez and Middleton back. And they brought in another sharpshooter in Beasley. So Milwaukee's going to be deep again. Mm-hmm. And then you got, we can't emphasize it enough. You, you got to worry about Cleveland. That young te- Cleveland team's no joke. Oh, yeah. The Knicks are no joke. You know, um, are they are they that much better than Cleveland and the Knicks? Not really. They're, you feel like those teams are coming, whereas the Sixers are just kind of treading water, right? You, but you know the old saying, the longer it takes you to get better or to win it all – the more you allow other teams to get closer gotcha. to you. You're right. And that's what they're doing. And Cleveland and, and the Knicks right now, not that far behind the 76ers. I agree with you. Could this be the year one or both of them leapfrog past the Sixers? Great Could question. Could this be the year? You know? Yeah, it's a great question. All right, let's uh let's step aside because I want to make sure we get to Lane as soon as he pops up. So we will uh we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Lane Johnson is gonna be joining us. Eagles right tackle. All world Lane Johnson. Don't go anywhere. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, sports take. Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, let's talk about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because knowing 
that person to trust with your finances, knowing how to find that right person can be a challenge sometimes. Well, guess what? I, I, I'm giving you that person right now. It is Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group. You can you can get in contact with them, 610-996-4751. Look, I can tell you from, from personal experience, it took me a while to find the right person, and I finally did. I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with Jim. And I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. For you, it could be 401k review. It could be insurance review. Trying to start start off a small business and get it off the ground. That's another resource that Jim can help you with. Give him a call. 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. You can also email him. Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray dot Jim at principal.com. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. in southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles.
All right, welcome back in, everybody. Appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, Rob Ellis, Derek Gunn, on this uh, this beautiful Wednesday that feels like a Monday, I guess, in some ways, if folks had off. But we are hanging out with you. We are Sports Take, Jacob's Force YouTube Network. Uh, we're going to be joined momentarily by Eagles right tackle Lane Johnson, who is getting himself uh, situated as we speak, D-Gun. But we have the connection and uh, I think we are ready uh, to to roll with Lane. Yes, we welcome him in now. What's Lane Johnson? How are you, my friend? How's everything going? Uh, going good. Getting ready for training camp. We start uh, July twenty fourth, twenty fifth, I believe. So yeah, putting it in now and uh, and getting ready for uh, a couple of weeks. Hey man, Lane, are, are we are we in the barn, man? Where are we? Yeah. He just worked out. Seriously, man. Uh, yeah, uh, I train at a gym and. Uh, in uh, a little bit north of Oklahoma City, my buddy that played with me in college, Tom Wart, we have a gym out here in Oklahoma. So we have nice. a grass field out there. We have a turf field out back. But wow, that's yeah. awesome! Yeah, yeah. yeah hey man, I thought, I thought, I thought you would be out on some lake somewhere bass fishing right now. Uh, I did yesterday, so we caught some uh, yesterday for the fourth, and that's about it. So I did a little bit of that, but uh, mostly just seeing the family and, and training. You know, staying true to that. Wow. Lane, what, anything cool this offseason? Did you get a chance to get away a little bit? Did, did you do anything interesting the last few months? Yeah, I got invited to hike Yosemite, and it, I mean, it turned into a work trip uh, eventually. So <laughs> the first day, I believe it was like five miles uphill. We had a 60-pound pack, which took us about six hours. So, <laughs> yeah, I uh, thought it was a vacation, but quickly turned into a work <laughs> trip. But, no, I, I definitely enjoyed it. It was uh, – yeah, it was an experience. So I have a, a newfound respect for for hikers and uh, rock climbers, mountain climbers. So, wow. so, so when you took on this venture, what were you expecting on the hike? And as you did it, what surprised you the most about doing it? I got invited. My trainer Gabe invited uh, myself, uh, John Runyon Jr., and my buddy Tom. I was just talking about, and he invited us out there. I mean, I was expecting it to be tough, but uh, I believe we. We're around 8,000 uh, feet altitude, so get that. And I think, you know, being a larger person, I feel like it might be harder on the bigger guys, at least to recover. I, I noticed, I guess, whenever Chris uh, climbed Kilimanjaro, that usually the bigger guys had the most problems. So, mm. uh, yeah, there was multiple times we had to stop and, and catch our breath. That was for sure. They uh, they let the NFL Network come out there and film us, and they had their camera crew trying to follow us and. About halfway up the mountain, they turned around and said, F this. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't take it with all the gear and everything, right? It was too much for them. Yeah, I mean, hell, I could barely take it. And these guys were, you know, not athletes. And it was yeah. it was tough for everybody involved. But, yeah, I just uh, have a newfound respect for that. It was uh, it was really cool, and it was eye-opening. Wow, that, that's unbelievable. All right, so forget Yosemite. I know that's different. W what does a typical workout look look like for you, like a day like today? What, what, what do you, What's that entail? Yeah, so today – uh, was legs, so usually alternate um, lower body, upper body. I've been trying to do a lot of, uh, you know, core work, obviously, and then I do a lot of stuff for, like, uh, they're called RMT clubs, so it's about rotational, um, you know, core movements, and just so I can stay, you know, I guess uh, mobile and try to reduce injury. But, yeah, today was front squats. We went heavy. Uh, uh, tomorrow will probably be bench, but yeah. So it's kind of usually you have a like a strength phase or power phase. When you have power phase, you have limited uh, amount of weight on there, so not maximum amount of weight, but you're trying to move that pretty uh, pretty fast. 
and then strength wise the, the numbers will be lower so like today it was like a five three two one one on front squat and uh yeah so just uh you know not the most uh fun work but it's it's worthwhile and uh yeah i mean it does it pays off you know when you've played the game at this level for as long as you have you don't need motivation. The competitive juices just kick in. But you hear you hear the outside noise. Elaine Johnson, best right tackle in the game, or Elaine Johnson, best offensive lineman in the game. Period. That's a that's a heavy burden to carry. Is that a burden that that helps mo- motivate you even more so, or you just try to drown out that kind of noise and just continue to be the kind of player that you are? Yeah, well, I sit back and look uh, kind of the last few seasons. I just feel like, you know, my focus, you know, as I've gotten older, uh, you know, some things it becomes harder to train or you might lose some in some areas. But I just feel motivated yeah. by that. And then, uh, yeah, I just feel motivated to uh, finish my career strong, whereas most people kind of nosedive in their 30s. You know, I look at Kels, I look at JP, those guys that had a lot of success in their 30s. And you see the examples and how they do things and, yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm at a point now where I want to reach my full potential. Uh, I feel like I'm I'm very close, and uh, yeah, I mean, I really I'm, I'm really enjoying my last, uh, you know, my, my later half of the career than I did earlier. Mm. Kind of, I feel like it took years to establish, you know, kind of myself at the right tackle, being looked at as a left tackle player. Yeah. So it's years to get to that point to be seen. It kind of equals or close to, and then, you know, last few years was kind of just. Uh, um, you know, not doing as many interviews or talking as much. I, I try to just uh, play well. And and really, man, it's about focus. I feel like a, a, as a younger player, I was a lot more distracted than what I was now. And so, uh, yeah, uh, that's where I'm at now. Just I'm trying to be more focused, uh, a lot more mentally, uh, you know, preparing my weeks, uh, you know, planning, um, you know, pretty much my schedule out instead of just playing it day by day. Also, oh, you, you, you did me a favor. You did me a favor by coming on today, huh? Since you're shying away from more media interviews. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm just talking about like during the week. Like, uh, not really talking too much about off season. I'll do some interviews here and there, but really yeah. during, the, I'll meet with the media once every now and then. But uh, yeah, just really, you know, it's a, the younger generation. We got a lot of talented guys. It's their time now. So uh, yeah, really, my my job now is. Uh, Helping the young guys out and, and helping my coach out. Hey, Lane, you, you're a very humble guy. And, and I say this in all sincerity. I'm not just blowing smoke. You can ask anybody who listens to the show. I think you're the best tackle in football. Not right, not left. The best tackle, period. Do you see yourself the same way? Yeah, I see myself as up there. Um, you know, I think when it comes to pass protection, uh, you know, I've had two uh, really good years. Uh, there's some things, you know, uh, I played with Trent Williams uh, whenever he was at Oklahoma. So he's a few years older than me, but I really got to study him, how he played, even though I wasn't playing the position at the time. But I really uh, liked his style play as a brawler. You know, Jason Peters is similar. But, you know, when, when I look at guys, I would say this guy might be a little bit better than me uh, in some areas. Uh, so if there's a guy I'm chasing, it, it would be Trent. Uh, I like how he does stuff in the run game and uh, with different blocks. He's, he's a very savvy player, but. You know, when I look at ourselves, uh, two athletic guys. So I feel like as far as athletically, um, you know, pretty similar. But, you know, some things I got to improve on in my game, pass pro and run game. When I look at Trent, man, I'm trying to get on that level as a run blocker um, with some of his techniques and uh, his skill set. You know, last time we had you on the show, you referred to your offensive lineman as Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) So fill me in on this kid, Tyler Steen, man. He is a mountain of a young man. Yeah. 
so he came in, uh, you know, you look at him on the hoof. He's a very, very big guy, uh, big legs, uh, big arms. And, you know, first thing I saw was looking at right away was his, was his uh, foot quickness. I think you can see that left tackle, uh, his footwork, uh, you know, in full display at practice. So I feel like uh, obviously it's different from tackle to guard, a lot more space at tackle. So he's going to have to learn that game, getting, in, getting inside and, you know, being in a phone booth. But, yeah, man, he has all the traits to be a great player. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at him on the hoof, that's where it starts. And then uh, character-wise, smart, smartest attack, uh, very humble guy, doesn't say a whole lot. But, um, you know, as he develops, as the confidence develops, I can see him being a great player uh, in a very short time. Mm. Derek brought up your your line mates, and you, you know you I we watch these guys. We watch Kelsey at his at his team sixty two fundraiser last week. You know, just just having the time of his life. You know, having a great time. We see Mylotta singing at, at his wedding, etc. Like you you play with some not only great players. These nice job. I think you got it. <laughs> I, I, did you get it, Lane? No, I didn't get it. I'll, I'll show you if I get it though. I've okay. <laughs> you were working on that. <laughs> okay. But I, what I was just going to say is you play with some real characters, man. It, it, it seems like, does that make it easier when you're, you, you know, the, in the day-to-day -day grind to be with funny, good dudes like you have? Absolutely. Uh, the whole line room is very funny. So I'm saying we, we know when to work, uh, we know when to play. And then, you know, a lot of times we're taking our job very seriously. So, but I think having that nature of, of the guys in there, it does keep it lighthearted and, and making it the game a lot more simple, simplified, and what it needs to be. I feel like um, this game doesn't require a whole lot of overthinking. I feel like we know what to do. Now it's about going and doing it and executing it. But, yeah, man, having having uh, the characters, the jokes, uh, the brotherhood, man, it's what makes our group so tight. That's, that's why we lasted so long because we play for each other. I feel like, you know, we know each other outside of the football building, you know, outside of the building, uh, know each other's kids, families. So we spend a lot of time or have spent a lot of time over the past few years. So, yeah, man, those those guys that have been in the lines with me know the battles and uh, you develop a special bond. Who's who's the funniest guy in the offensive line room? Ooh, we all have our, our moments. I would say Kels, man, he's up there uh, just because he's well-rounded. Uh, I would say a sleeper that would probably be Landon Dickerson. He's uh, extremely funny. He's usually back there with about – Six bottles of Gatorade, about four cans of snuff on his desk, some uh, some food, some snacks. And, uh, he's one of those guys that uh, he might be talking or, or goofing around, but at the same time he can listen to Stout and still pick up on what he's saying. So a lot of times Stout will call on him and he think he's he's not paying attention to BS and, and uh, he'll answer it right off the bat. So he's he's entertaining as well. So I'm in between those two in the back in the back of the room. Landon's on my right, Kelsey's on my left. So. I'm at the comedy show every day. Uh, all right. I got to ask you, because we watched Kelsey show off his skills last week with the chugging. Who wins a chugging contest? You? Uh, among the offensive line, is Kelsey the king, or can one of you guys knock him off? Ooh. Ah. Oh, you had it. Damn, I had it. Uh, <laughs> hey, Kelsey, yeah, it would be tough. I haven't seen a lot of really chug, but I feel like he could, just how big he is, how big yeah. his – um, yeah, was, uh, there was a guy named Matt Tobin that was here a few, uh, yeah. for a few yep. years. Uh, he was the guy that I think would probably win number one. He was probably had a six, three, six, two body, but he had a, about a five inch neck on him. So he was about six, 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 seven. But when I saw him chug a beer, man, it was like watching a seagull just devour something. <laughs> so th those 
together, uh, I would like to see a chug off between those two. That, that would be my nominee. Okay. All right. <laughs> I think I'd like to see that too. Uh, any, any, um, any, are you good to go fully a hundred percent with the abductor? Like no restrictions on you anymore right now? Yeah, no restrictions though. I got, I got cleared months ago. Okay. And yeah, I mean, I felt like even before the, um, I was cleared, I was, I was good to go a few weeks earlier than that. So roughest, roughest part of that surgery was the initial first two weeks. Uh, you're very limited in what you can do, but once, that settles down, uh, you know, I really um, rehab pretty quickly. So, yeah, man, it was a lot It was a lot better uh, than the ankle was a few okay. years ago. Hey, I, saw, I saw a picture with you and uh, Jalen Hurts out there in Hawaii at uh, Jordan Mailata's wedding. Uh, that dude, that dude it, gets sick. It was in Napa. It was in Napa. Looked like oh, Hawaii. It was in Napa. Napa. Yeah, it was in Napa. It was hot, too. Hot as hell. Oh, I, hey, Jordan Malata can sing, man. I mean, we've heard him sing before, but anytime you can you can break off some Stevie Wonder, isn't she lovely? Man, that's an octave range right there. Yeah, I you know Jordan jokes around a lot, uh, but if he ever wanted to take singing seriously, he definitely could. I mean, obviously Christmas album, but I you know I don't even know if he's ever been trained voc- uh, vocal coach or any of that, but he don't need much. Uh, you know, a couple couple of good songs to, to fit him right. Uh, yeah, but really him and a lot of people in his family can sing too. So they're very just musically talented all the way across the board. Mm. I know you sort of had a, a similar in, in that you, you weren't a lineman until college. And that's the man to, to make the transition you made is amazing. But how quickly did you know that this dude who had never played football before in his life, like could play? Did you know pretty quickly, Lane? Uh, I knew, you know, initially seeing, I was like, oh, this guy's made for football. So we got the body type, you know, there's nobody like him in the NFL that big or, you know, can move like that at that size. So after uh, the initial first uh, couple of practices, I knew that he had the athletic ability, the traits, the foot quickness. He had all that. It was just really, he had to get in there and get live reps. And there wasn't, there wasn't going to be any substitute for that, for the learning curve. Everybody has to go through it, no matter how much football you played. So uh, once the first couple seasons passed by, and then I saw just him take a step this season, next step, just kept developing. I saw that confidence grew, uh, growing. I knew uh, he was going to be a special player. But I mean, seeing him off the hoof, the, at, you know, first first impressions, I'm going, holy cow, man, this is a this is a different beast here. Mm-hmm. Hey, Lane, what's the team's mindset? Because the schedule's much tougher this year. You guys have one stretch of games. You got Kansas City, Buffalo back to back. You got the yeah. Niners going. I mean, you guys got one heck of a schedule. So, what's the battle cry? What's the mindset this year? Uh, the battle cry is uh, is remember what the uh, recipe is for success. A lot of it is uh, we don't have control over who we play. Uh, we can control how we play. And then, really, uh, as the process in the whole, the game is three hours. And so, three hours out of your whole work week, out of all these practices, out of all these drills, yeah, uh, you don't become very good in your practices and your drills you can't expect it to translate to the field. So, man, I think having tough practices, being even more uh, honed in on the focus aspect this year, because yeah, there is a lot of, exp- uh, um, you know, distractions. There is a lot of expectations, but you have to answer them uh, one, one day at a time, one play at a time. That's how you answer all those questions. Mm. As of an answer that, as that sounds, uh, people that have had success in this league, they're going to tell you the same thing. And that's really what it is, man. It goes down to a mental game and, and, um, and really, Keeping practices crisp, keeping your technique crisp, and uh, and demanding that throughout the season. How mm-hmm. how tough is that that sort of fine line that you walk between man that had to be so tough losing the Super Bowl the way you guys lost it, but at some point you got You got to put it aside. 
like do you is it constant motivation for you lane or is it something like man if i keep dwelling on that i'm not gonna be able to move forward with what i got in front of me yeah i mean what i realized you know i've won that super bowl obviously it was a tremendous feeling i you know we're three points away from or four points away from winning it um and I can tell you, man, uh, as far as the offseason goes, we didn't have any celebration days like, like they did. But I, but I realized that you're back to work very shortly. And the season uh, is very fresh upon you after that game. So, yeah, man, it did hurt. But um, looking at the big uh, picture of things, I feel like we have a great opportunity to, to be back in the mix again, to have a great team again. And then you realize when you're in, in it how special it is and how critical it is. So uh, what a great reminder to learn from. And, uh, and really, I can say that, man, learn, learn from your mistakes. And, uh, yeah, man, we were very close. I can say throughout each game, man, we, we had a dominant offense, a dominant team. And, uh, yeah, man, it just comes up. Uh, sometimes you come up short. And, uh, you know, that's why the Super Bowl is what it is, man. It's the grand finale. Mm-hmm. You, you surprised Kelsey keeps coming back? Every year he contemplates retirement and keeps coming back. Yeah, I mean, I think if we would have won the championship, I, I think he would have called it, I believe. Uh, uh, but I felt like, you know, initially after seeing it, I could see it in his eyes that he wanted to come back, how uh, how angry he was, how, you know, you realize how much this game means to people. And, uh, yeah, I knew – I felt like in a few minutes after the Super Bowl, I, I kind of knew the answer. He didn't have to talk to me or tell me or any of that. I, I kind of knew. That's mm. interesting. Um, I, there's been a lot of talk about the field, right? You guys, to your credit, didn't go to any kind of excuse route after that game. It was basically, hey, we lost. You know, keep moving. But it keeps being brought up, and you know the league apparently is saying, "Hey, it was the spikes these guys had on." What do you say to that? To, to, I mean, because we saw it. I mean, it was like a skating gallery. But what, what do you what do you think happened there? Yeah, I mean, I think both teams played on a on a uh, field that was felt like you're on a putting green, and if uh, you know you're trying to get some traction, you're going to rip up the ground, which is what happened. So, mm. uh, no excuse to you know why we lost. But there is for both teams. There was a lot of slippage. There was, uh, you can ask probably the Kansas City Chiefs. These guys were slipping too. It was really, from what I've been told, I guess the, the guy that's been doing the field for the past few Super Bowls. Yeah. Kind of what was going to happen. I don't know if it was the overwatering issue to make the side uh, more slippery than what it needed to be or not as firm. But yeah, uh, when it goes down to the people doing the field and them uh, having some say about it. Uh, I believe there's a lot of merit to it. Obviously, the NFL has a hard time taking accountability for stuff like this, but it is what it is, man. If somebody wants to take the blame, they can, but it's not going to change the outcome. But maybe in the future, um, you know, that can be prevented. You know, Lane, there are 30, 32 offensive line coaches in the National Football League, but anybody who plays under Jeff Stoutland is, is, is deemed – you're in Jeff Stoutland University. What separates him from the rest, man, because – not only does he he nurture and groom guys to be good, but the way he cross-trains them to, to fit in in different positions, and the offensive line never misses a beat, basically. What, what makes him different? Uh, I think it's just it goes down to coaching philosophy, style. I mean, he wants players to be, uh, you know, happy. Um, he feels like happy players are more productive players. So, uh, I mean, he's big on confidence, but really he goes down to uh, – coming in the building and, and making every guy know their assignment, whether you're a starter, if you're a backup, whatever you are, uh, whenever guys go down uh, or second team or third team's up, whoever's up has to maintain ordinance as the first team does. There is no drop-off in communication. 
there is no drop off in uh, set lines and angles. So everybody's coached the same. And so I feel like his ability to coach older, younger players through the older players uh, has been effective. So, you know, even with JP here, if he's trying to make a point, he would coach JP. And mm -hmm. if people are, well, if he's coaching JP this way, well, I better step up my game. So I feel like his type of coaching style. And then uh, I think just his love of football in general and love for his players. Um, you know, he has a special bond with his players. If, if something is wrong off the field, he tries to get that right. Um, you know, whether it be in your home life, the, the mental space, uh, everything that can be checked to develop a player, he does. And he, he goes to, you know, extreme lengths to, to make sure that happens. I know how happy you were because you, you tweeted out afterwards uh, with, with the contract extension that, that Jalen got. I know you guys have worked out together. I know you guys didn't play together, but you have the Oklahoma ties. How how cool was it to see the year that he had last year and for him to get rewarded? Oh, man, it's awesome. It's what the, the game's all about. You know, you put in a lot of time from, you know, whenever you're in high school, uh, 14 years old to where you are now. So it's a, you know, 14 or, you know, 20 years of work or 15 years of work to uh, – you know, get where you want to be. Uh, so really, you know, when it comes down to that, the guys, uh, quarterbacks are under the most scrutiny of any position. If like in sports, win losses fall on you, um, you know, leadership falls on you, the city, everything falls on you. You know, you are the guy. So I feel like it was just how he's handled everything uh, from season to season, consistently making progression and, um, and making the team what it is. Uh, he should be rewarded. And I mean, I feel like it's not going to change anything an aspect of his character or anything from that. Um, you know, I think he bought a house uh, somewhere in Philly. I think that's maybe the only big purchase he, he's had. So, mm -hmm. you know, he's a smart guy. Uh, he's got a lot of great people in his corner uh, that are there for him. So, yeah, man, uh, he's very mature for his age. You don't have to tell him a whole lot. Uh, and if he doesn't know something, he'll, he'll go to people that do know the answers. Hey, Lane, you've played a number of positions along your journey as a football player. If you could handpick one position that you wanted to play in your life, what would it be and why? Oof, I'm trying to think. Well, I wanted to play a little bit of DN in the Super Bowl. I feel like I could go out there and possibly get <laughs> over somebody to the ground. So, I, I, you know, I really want DN, and but I felt like if I if it was another time, if I if I could be slim and, and faster, I would love to play receiver. Man, I feel like there would be nothing better than. Uh, mossing a dude or jumping over somebody in the end zone and, and getting a touchdown that way or a, or a uh, go route. Uh, I mean, it'd probably be hard to beat that feeling. Well, you, you, I, look, it's obviously worked out for you, but you were a quarterback, you were a tight end, you've done other things. Do you ever? Is there ever a little bit of an itch to every once in a while you'd like to go back to that life or are you good where you're at? Uh, I like to catch some more passes. That one I caught was fun. There was nobody on me, but I would like to get out there and maybe run. Okay. Quick shallow or a flag route into the end zone. I feel like I could still do that. I know I could really do it. If actually, uh, when I was younger, Chip actually had a few uh, plays where I was split out wide uh, for like a red zone option. But, uh, yeah, man, in, in a different reality, uh, I would be doing that. So, so as a tight end, were you more of a Travis Kelsey, a George Kittle, or what? Uh, I mean, I wasn't as effective as those guys. I only played a short amount of time, but I had speed, and I and I was a good blocker. So uh, maybe the route running could have been developed. Uh, you know, I, I would have never been uh, maybe the caliber I am at tackle at that position. I think that's why I moved. So, uh, But I definitely think I could have played at some level. I don't know if I would have been a marquee guy, but I could definitely help. Yeah.
Yeah. Was that your idea, Lane, to move, or was that one of your coaches at Oklahoma su- who suggested it? Uh, it's one of my coaches. So it was it was Bob Stoops, uh, Josh Heupel, who's at Tennessee now, and Mark Mangino, who was the Kansas coach. So those three were kind of all together that spring. But I mean, even going into college, when I was going into JUCO, I knew that uh, you know my coach Keith Thomas in high school played at Oklahoma as well. Receiver, he's like, he said you're going to be a tight end or something else. He said you're going to grow into something else, uh, just because he's been in the coaching world. I can tell. Uh, really going into college, I knew that I wanted to go to tight end eventually. And then uh, Gary Patterson told me I was going to be 300 pounds on my recruiting trip. And uh, you know what? Riding in, even though I wasn't trying to hear it at that time. <laughs> That's pretty hey, funny. Hey, as proud as I am of you, of what you become as a professional football player, I'm even prouder of you, of the platform that you now stand on in terms of being so vocal about mental health. And all that. And I talk to Brian Dawkins all the time about his journey is well documented. Where are you? And, and for people out there that don't know, because, you know, it's funny and not funny, but millions of people go through this. Can you give them some pointers on how to battle and win? Because people like you and Dawkins, you not only battle that day to day, but you're winning it. And I know it's a struggle. Sometimes you have setbacks, but you keep winning. How do you yeah. battle and win? Uh, man, it became such a big part of my life. Uh, really, uh, after high school, I started feeling these feelings, and I dealt with it for about three years at OU before I addressed it. That's, mm-hmm. And I thought that was a big reason why I wasn't playing. Uh, I had a hard time eating. I had a hard time sleeping. Wow. And really, quality of life was, uh, was terrible. I, I didn't know how to describe it, but I knew that it was uh, negatively impacting me both in performance and headspace. And so once – um, you know, I talked to the uh, pros office at OU. Uh, I realized, you know, how common it was. But really, I understood kind of what I was dealing with. And, uh, you know, I talked about this before. I thought the more achievements that I got, uh, you know, professionally was going to help with that when really uh, just running away from the problem. So really, it was just an internal look at uh, kind of why am I feeling all this pressure? Uh, why am I so hard on myself? And really try to diagnose it. And, um, you know, obviously – um, I feel like some of the medication they prescribed me definitely helped. Um, you know, the case in 2000, uh, two years ago, 21, when I had that spell that I left, the medication that I was on wasn't helping. Uh, it was actually doing a lot more damage than, than, um, than what I ever thought. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm not advocating for medication, but I'll tell you, just for me to tread water, to break even to where I can function and not have to uh, go through like a cycle or a spell, I really changed my life without it. Uh, you know, really, I, I don't know if I could play football uh, or just function that just the anxiety waking up every day, what I was feeling constantly. I knew it wasn't normal. I didn't know how to deal with it. I just knew that I sort of isolate myself. I, I didn't want to talk to anybody. My appetite was uh, down. I never ate. And really that cycle continued for, you know, a long time, uh, but really started when I got to college. It's when it really affects me. First three years, I wasn't playing, and I was that I was battling all this. I didn't tell anybody, and once I got that address, that's when I started. Um, everything changed for me. How hard was taking that first step to to, to seek that help? Uh, it was big, man, because I would wake up every morning, uh, you know, like like it's a football game, and I would, you know, my stomach would be tore up. You know, you had the the gut brain connection when it comes to all this, and you know, I would throw up every morning. Every morning, I would do this, and uh, yeah, my roommate overheard me, and he. I guess he's going through a similar issue. Both played tight end at OU, mm-hmm. and he talked to me about his issue. And that's the first time I've ever been, you know, brought into the world of mental health or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, talked about any of it. And then I realized that um, it was very common. 
and then I realized uh, how to address it. So uh, before medication was ever addressed, before any of that, uh, understood what it was, and then went took the steps to to address it. Now, wow. last one, last one for me, Lane, and we appreciate you giving us all this time in between your workouts, man. Um, is this something when you when you're done with football, you'll continue to to be a huge advocate for? Because you've you've been very outspoken about it. I think you've helped a lot of people with it. But is that something you're going to keep doing? Yeah, right now, um, you know, Cooth has really gave me a platform to talk to younger guys and even, um, you know, some of my friends, family, guys that train here. Um, you know, a lot of times I just set guys aside one-on-one. You know, obviously I had the public platform with uh, with uh, social media, but uh, a big part of it is, you know, even the O-line masterminds talking about this, addressing it. And then, you know, most of the time when I'm talking to guys, it's, it's always one-on-one. If I see an inclination or – um, see kind of signs of it in a person, um, you know, I'll pull them aside one-on-one and I feel like that's where I can get the most done and not put it, everything in like a public spotlight. Cause I know addressing my stuff initially, I, I didn't want to tell anybody and I didn't, I told a few people. And so I think initially starting out, that's a good place for, for their journey. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see yourself when you were younger being a, a mentor as a, as a football player and on a platform of mental health. Is this something that's evolved at you that you didn't know that you had as a younger player? Being a- When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details big mentor yeah no i knew i knew the anxiety portion uh you know was ruining my life for the most part for a majority you know for a few years a uh, few crucial years and so i always hid that and addressed that privately and played but you know ever since uh 2021 when it kind of became public yeah uh, last how much people would help and so you know the advocacy advocacy for that is, is huge and i feel like moving forward it's not a it's not a pity me situation. It's an inform me situation. So, yep. you know, it's like Ryan Dawkins. You see a guy who's a mountain of a man, a beast of a man, and him talk about his stuff uh, publicly to, uh, you know, the rookie symposium, yep. to people that are just now entering this life. Uh, meant a great deal to me personally and, and meant a great deal to uh, a lot of the athletes. They see that it doesn't discriminate the Brian Dawkins, the Ray Lewis's of the world, the Sometimes the most extreme athletes, man, they go, they battle their demons. Uh, you know, every everybody's not the same. Every everybody's different. But uh, yeah, man, it, it, unless you can uh, learn how to control yourself, can be with yourself, and and manage your life, uh, you know, everything else is is very difficult. Lane, listen, man, oh, thank you. thank yeah. you. very motivational, very inspirational. We appreciate you always you always keeping it thank real, you, looking out for people, and giving Please, us a couple minutes. We can't wait to see you in a, in a few weeks back here in Philly, man. But we appreciate your time today. All right, guys, man. It's good talking to you, Rob. Good talking to you, D-Gun. Uh, All right. 
I'll be up there the 20th, and then we start the 25th. So I'll awesome. head up. Oh, be good, right, man. Be, be good. good, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, how about that, Gunner? He works us in in between at workout, man. That's that's Lane Johnson for you right there. Dude, that, he, he's he's one of a kind, man. And, uh, you know, he and I have had a great relationship. And and I don't try to lean on that too much. I, you know, yeah. I don't – I don't. you know, guys like him and the Brandon Grahams and stuff, I try to stay off of them as much as possible yeah. and just get, bring them on sporadically. But, you know, his story is well documented. But just think about this. Think about the demons he battled. Yeah. He became this incredible college football player, number four overall pick in the NFL – didn't tell anybody the first three years what he was going through. Plays at a high level, continues to battle this stuff as Brian Dawkins did throughout his career. And the longer he's played it, the more accolades he's garnered to the point where he's considered the best tackle in the game. Hasn't given up a sack in two years. All of this added pressure. Some people will shy away from that, especially when you're going through mental health issues like that. You don't want any more attention on you. You don't want any more pressure on you. But yet they find a way to combat and win that, you know. And that's why I wanted him to speak on that platform to share with other people because, you know, we know a lot of people out there go through stuff like that and don't know how to not just battle it but win the battle because it's a never-ending battle. It doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like you just conquer it. It's a way you know when when you start to feel it how to get it under control. You know, and and guys like him are a great platform, have a great platform to share with people how they get it under control and maintain and still function in in a normal world. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, it's for anybody out there, could be a kid, could be a teenager, could be an adult who feels like they're alone with this stuff. When you see Lane Johnson talking about it so openly and honestly, it just opens doors, man, and makes you feel like, like he said, you know, when he he talked to his roommate, all right, I'm not the only one going through this. And then he sought help and then, you know, really kind of got the ball rolling for him in in the uh, in the right direction. But yeah, good stuff. Good to hear that he's, you know, physically all good to go from the abductor. Uh, oh, yeah. You saw Absolutely. he was clearly going at it right before we 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 jumped on with him in the ball in that in that whole setup out there. But uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a different guy, man. He, he, that offensive line is so special. Not only are they great, they're just all cool dudes. Just good they dudes. Really yeah. Yeah, yeah, like across the board. We had we had Kelsey on couple but what last week or two weeks ago. We had BG weeks, on yeah. from the other yeah. side of the ball and then Lane. So good stuff right there. All right. Let's get a timeout. By the way, if you missed any of it, just go to Jacobsports.com, uh Jacob Sports YouTube channel. You can go back and watch any of it. You want to comment uh on the interview, uh feel free. Uh, sports take Jacob at gmail.com. You can hop on with that. So good stuff from Lane right there. All right, let's get a quickie in, Gunner. Let's come back. Let's talk a little Phils. They've won 10 straight on the road. They went 3-1 yesterday over the Rays. Uh, they get a big one again tonight in Tampa. And then uh, two days from now, they will be in Miami to take on the Marlins, which will be a really critical series as they're chasing them. So let's get into all of that when we come back. we got our NFL segment coming up. We'll continue with our greatest series. We're going to do the Broncos today. So we got the Denver Broncos in our greatest series we got a Cowboys update on Netflix. we got all kinds of stuff uh, for you when we come back with the NFL stuff at 2 o'clock. When we come back, it'll be Phillies. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, let's talk about ProAction Restoration. Yeah, ProAction Restoration is the place that you turn to if your home, your business, a property you own goes through the pain, the inconvenience, the unknowing 
of fire, of smoke, of mold damage, you name it, water damage, they can handle it. ProAction Restoration is on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. I went through it on a Saturday at my parents' house. They got over to my parents' house. They cleaned up the problem. The, the crew was great. The price was reasonable. It was a really uh, the kind of experience where you just take a big you know, sigh of relief. That's for sure. ProAction Restoration is licensed, bond, bonded, fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. They will work in conjunction with your insurance company also. So again, if it's water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760. 610-623-3760 or online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Alright, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. back 
Eric Gunn, Rob Ellis, Sports Take, hanging out with you on this Wednesday. Weird. Weird to say Wednesday, Derek. Kind of feels like a Monday, but we it will does. take it. Nobody's complaining. <laughs> That's for sure. We just wrapped things up with uh, with Lane Johnson, and Lane was awesome, as always, very gracious in giving us his time. And like I said, I'm looking forward to to getting these guys back, man. We're, we're, we're getting close. You know, just about a little, little less than three weeks away from uh, from camp cranking up. So should be a lot of fun. Uh, all right, little Phillies here, Derek. So as I mentioned, we mentioned off the top, 3-1 win last yesterday over the uh, the Tampa Rays. Now 45-39 and 39 on the season. Good thing because they're coming off that disappointing loss on Sunday uh, to the Nationals. They dropped 2-3 yeah. to the Nationals. So they, they, they pick it up. They bounce back. They get it after the off day. Ten straight road wins, the longest streak since 1976. But let's start with Aaron Nola here. Seven and a third, Derek. Five hits, just one run allowed, 12 strikeouts, just one walk, 104 pitches. It's a shame. He gave up that one home run, but it was the only mistake he made all game, and he didn't have that disastrous inning that we had seen from him. He was really like last year locked in Aaron Nola. If there was anybody who needed an outing like that, it, it was Nola. He was way overdue. Excuse me. <clears throat> Woo. Allergies, man. Yeah, I um, That's Aaron Nola we expected to see all season long, but he has been – he has ridden that proverbial roller coaster for whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people try to dissect it and, and nobody's been able to pinpoint why it, it's, it's not like he, he's arm weary. It's not like he's he had any injuries, right? It, for whatever reason, um, his pitches, pitches haven't been as consistent. His breaking ball hasn't been as sharp as we've been accustomed to seeing it in years gone by. You know, we see it one game, we don't see it for two in a row. But that Aranola we saw uh, yesterday, man, that that that's all star Aranola right there. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully he can build upon that. Hopefully he sits down, watches the tape of it, and see what he did. You know, because you basically you you just handcuffed the best team in baseball, the bet one of the best home teams in baseball, and you basically shut them down except for the one mistake you made in the latter innings. Yeah, that was, I was going to say that, Derek. They were thirty four and ten. Yeah. Where the Rays going into that game yesterday at home? Yeah. So you did so that. That is that is not chopped liver. You go, go through that lineup and you look at the home runs and you look at the on base percentage of a lot of those guys. It's good work, you know, good work out of him. Um, so he was really good. Now, so they're at the point now where after all these ups and downs, they're tied for that third wild card spot in the National League. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think we've we talked about this quite a bit. You sort of put Atlanta in their own category because they seem to never – they finally lost, what, yesterday or whatever, but they're 9-1 and one in their last 10. They're 57 wins. They're incredible. But the, the wild card is is very, very interesting. You know, they're right there. It's So it's Miami as the leaders. Then it's the Dodgers. The Phillies, the Giants, the Brewers are yeah. all tied for that, that third spot. And the beauty is, like we just talked about, you're going to get Miami for three over the weekend. So you can you can do some damage there too. Absolutely, and you you look at how well Miami has played. Um, they're not a dominant team. No, you know, and let's face it, the Phillies, as as funny as it sounds, has them right where they want them on the road. You know, the Miami's <laughs> not coming here. The Phillies are going there, and, and for and I can't pinpoint it. We talked about it earlier. Why this team is such a better team on the road than they are at home? I mean. You lose two one-run games to Washington. Now, granted, Washington got some great pitching uh, efforts uh, to hold off the Phillies in two of those three games. When the Phillies bombed them and scored 19 runs in that middle game, I'm thinking, okay, here we go. Yeah. They're going to take it to Washington the last two. All of a sudden, 
they're, they're handcuffed again in, that, in the series finale. But that's the Phillies. Then they go on the road, get a day off, go on the road, regroup, and you take care. You hold the best team in baseball to one run. That's 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 saying a lot. Now yeah. I don't unless unless Atlanta has a complete collapse, and I don't see that happening the way they're playing. Uh, Phillies are going to be a wild card team. But you know what? So what? Look at what they did as a wild card last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, and who and this lineup, this roster in general, is a lot better than it was last year. You know, so if they can get healthy at the right time and make that September run again, look out because yeah. I messed them up against anybody in the majors. Yeah, you, and and you're right. And just having that experience last year, having gone through that that gauntlet and, and knowing what it's like is is enormous. You know, uh, that that just that. Hey, we'll be all right. We'll come back in these games. We'll be fine. Yeah. But yeah, so you get you get tight. And the good thing is you get Taiwan Walker. You know, I hope he's pitching spectacularly of, of late. He's just been awesome. You get him tonight. Sanchez has done a, a decent, really decent job for them. Yeah. Uh, that fits yeah. He goes in the last game. But then you're set up for the Miami series with Wheeler, Suarez, and Nola. I mean, you Ooh. got your, some big boys going there in that last. Wow. Yeah. You know, um, you you couldn't ask. Uh, see, I'm again. As good as it looks on paper, I still have my concerns about Wheeler and Nola because yep. we haven't seen it consistently. Yeah, when they're when they're on point, they're as good as anybody in the National League. There's no question about it. And especially when you get to Kimbrel on the back end. Right now, Kimbrel is lights <laughs> out in terms of, of closing out games. He has you know, been awesome. He's thirteen for thirteen in save opportunities this year. He's yes. been perfect. Yeah, I just I just don't know what to expect from this team day in and day out. I can't get too high. I can't get too low on them because when you get low, they rise up. When you get too high, they they bottom out. Mm-hmm. I can't figure out this team for the life of me. Yeah. You have every everything you need, but it's always something that that stops them. Yeah, you know, from from hitting that consistent run, like a run like Atlanta's been on ten in a row, eleven in a row. It's always something with this team, um, and I think they're just going to have to muddle their way through the season. Uh, the way they have been, which will be good enough to get them into playoffs. It should, and then anything can happen there. Rob, you cursing anyone yet? Any firings come? I don't think so. I don't. I don't. I don't think right now I'm in any 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 firing mode at, at this point in time. But we'll not we'll even Trey Turner. I'm I'm annoyed at Trey Turner. Uh, here's what bo- <laughs> here's what bothers me about him. Like, I think well, I think the best thing that could happen for him is an All Star break. Just go to an island for a couple of days and reset. Like, I think yeah. that'll be good. I, I don't know if he's carrying it over into the field or he's lackadaisical in the field. I don't know, but it's one thing not to be hitting. It's another thing not to be fielding when you've been a really good fielder your whole career. Like that bothers me. It does. Those plays yesterday, Derek have to be made. Like yeah. we were talking, he's not yeah. going into the hole and, th- and, you know, trying to throw some guy out or die. Like, come on, man. Very, very makeable plays. And to, to Nola's credit, he dug in and got out of those jams where he could have caved. He didn't. But he, this is not. This happened way too much this year. There's a couple of times he wasn't even credited with an error. He, like he could have twelve or what is it? What did I say he has? He's got. 10, 10 he's now. got ten. He could have twelve or thirteen easily this year. The, the way this season's gone, it's frustrating. But look, here's the thing: we're twenty six. We're about twenty seven days out from the uh, from the trade deadline. F- for you, are you going another pitcher? You go in first base, you go in right field. What are you doing, trade deadline? Uh, um, I'm going to get another pitcher. You can never have too many pitchers. Um, could they use another first baseman? Yeah. 
But you know what? The guys playing first haven't played all that badly. Um, but if you can deepen that pitching, if you can add another arm with Soto and Alvarado and, and Kimbrell in there, uh, especially when you start hitting September, you know, dude, that that's where it counts. Who's who's holding it down for you in a in a close game? Who look at the Houston team last year? Look at the depth they had on pitching last year, dude. It was just one after another, and, and not just us, but the media across the board, the fan base across the board. That's all we were talking about was how deep Houston was in pitching, and that's as big a reason why they won the World Series as much as anything else. Did they have a good lineup? Yes. You know, they, they didn't have a great power lineup. They had a good contact lineup, but once they they went from one pitcher to the next. They never miss a beat. There was no weak link. Right. With this Phillies team, if you can add another quality arm in there somewhere to shore up the back end of that rotation, feel that much better about them going down the stretch. Yeah. Look, you can never have – you're right, too many arms. You're assuming everybody stays healthy, which you don't know. Uh, even though they shorten rotations in the playoffs, you use starters out of the bullpen in the playoffs. Sure. So if you have live arms sure. there, here's the other part, Derek, that would would speak to getting another arm. So Andrew Painter was supposed to throw to live batters yesterday. Right. The, the, the stud who has, he's done well with his bullpens. Now the next step was going to be live batters and then uh, yeah. rehab assignments. Yeah. They had to shut him down again. He had stiffness in the elbow. You know, I, I just feel uh, like we're, we're getting to a point with him and this may not be a big deal. I don't know, but like I, I viewed this the whole time as if you get anything from him this year, great. I, I have zero expectation. I really do. I, I don't, like I hear people like, "Hey, he'll be the September. He'll be like a September call up." I'm like, eh, "I don't know about that. If I get anything, great. That's where I'm at." I would say keep the ball out of his hand as much as possible. Now, um, obviously, when you have a setback like that, now it's going to prolong his his eventual return to the mound. There's no rush on him. You know, it's not like they they are in dire straits and they need him right now. It's it's yeah. a great novelty to talk about in terms of what this kid could potentially do especially with the arm strength that he has now. But here's a situation where it's best to err on the side of caution. You know, even if we don't see him this year, so what? You know, get him ready, man. Don't do not do something where he can end up having um, something irreparable happen where he's got to have a major surgery on that thing and cost him another year in 2024. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm excited to see him pitch. You hear all these great things about him, but I don't need him right now. I really don't. And I don't, and hopefully the Phillies organization is smart enough in their approach to rehabbing him to not push him any further than he has to be pushed at this point. Yeah. Uh, You brought up Kimbrell, certainly a pleasant surprise. He's been awesome. I mean, let's go to the other one uh, because he's officially an all-star. He will be one of the reserves. Rob Thompson will be the, will be the manager uh, of the game, but Nick Castellanos. So three twelve average Derek, 12 home runs, 54 runs driven in, He's got 26 doubles, 101 hits. Uh, he's got a 509 slugging percentage, an 864 OPS. Um, you know, this has been one of the big-time bounce-back seasons we've seen from an athlete. It, 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 a lot of times when you start off on that kind of bad foot, it, the hole just gets dug deeper, deeper, and deeper. And, man, he climbed out of it and then some. Well, in the time he's been here, he's always been a good defensive player, you know, since he's been here. Um, and, and, and we were frustrated, obviously, with uh, the lack of bat, uh, bat prowess that we saw much of last year. But you knew it was coming. You, you looked at his numbers before he got here. You knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. And now he's put the game. You know, I, I, I thought he might be able to start in the All-Star game. But obviously, you know, you look at the players uh, who are ahead of him and having phenomenal seasons. 
Yeah. Uh, but the fact that he got his recognition and, and be chosen as the all-star, I thought it was a slam dunk. He should have been the Phillies representative as an all-star. I would say the only other one I would say could be a slam dunk at this point would have been Kimbrell, yep. the way Kimbrell's playing right now. But the fact that he's getting his accolades as an, all, as an all-star backup, he's deserved it because he has been one of the few consistent bright spots on this Phillies team all year long. Yeah. I, and, and Lil Tone brings up, you know, one other guy I'll, I, I'll give some love to. You know, Bryson Stott, and he was big again yesterday. He's so yeah, he good was. with two outs. What a good year. Derek, he's 296 for him. Uh, you know, 93 hits, 333 on base, 420 slugs, 754 OPS. He's been money with two outs. He's one of those guys, even though he's a younger player, you feel good about him coming up in big spots. Like, he, he is, he's been an excellent, wherever you put him in the order, hitter for the Phillies really all season. You know, I don't care where you put him in a lineup, he hits. Mm-hmm. You know, you know me, I was a big advocate of putting him, leave him at leadoff. Yeah. Leave him at leadoff. Yeah. But obviously putting Schwarber back at leadoff, even though he's hitting, what, 188 or whatever the heck he's hitting. Yes, yep. Obviously he had he had to be in a leadoff spot. But I, 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 I think I like most about Stott is, when, when players hit at certain spots, when you start moving them around, it affects their mental approach to the plate. Not with him. Right. He makes good contact. He's spraying the ball, hits the all fields, driving in runs. Uh, you're right. He's probably been one of the unsung heroes on this team that we don't talk enough about. You know, And here's a young guy who's still trying to find his way in the majors, mm-hmm. and he's playing at this level amongst a lot of high-priced, big-name players, and he's holding his own in this lineup. Very poised, very poised. That That's the best way I could describe Bryson Stott, whether it's at the plate or in the field. The guy, he looks like he's been around for 10 years, and that's a great compliment. Exactly. So, uh, last one I want to hit you with here is Harper. Um, not that he's not hitting. and he, You know, he, he hit one, the started the game off, uh, I think his first at bat went the other way with one, the left field yesterday, you know, hit it uh, basically to the warning track. Uh, hit a couple deep shots. We had a foul ball down the right field line that, that, you know, had pretty good distance on it, but the power numbers aren't there right now. He's kind of stuck on that three home run thing that he's been stuck on for a long time. Again, still hitting 297, still doing other things. Concern level. Is there one for you at all? Or is this just a matter of time before this guy gets going? No, because, because he's hitting, see, he's not hitting it out the, the yard with the frequency that we, we want to see him hit him, but he's driving in runs. Yeah. You know, I'll take I'll take a one run, two run single. I'll take the one run, two run double. You know, if he can give me that consistently, even though he still hasn't hit a home run since what since what May twenty fifth. Yeah, it's um, the longest streak of his career. Yeah, yeah, but he's still driving in runs. Right, that's all I care about. Mm-hmm. Is he is he making contact? Is he putting the bat on the ball? Is he spraying it to the all, all fields like we we know he can? Yes, he's doing those things. The only thing he's missing is the lack of the long ball, and and I don't care about that. Because if he's putting runs on the board, he's helping to put this team in a position to, to win more games than they lose. And as, as I said last week, <clears throat> Bryce Harper is a professional hitter. Yep. You know, everything about him is picture perfect at the plate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but with hitters like that, they go through those dry spells. And if his dry spell is just the lack of the long ball, but yet he's he's still hovering around 300, he's putting runners to the plate, I'll take that every day from a hitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, uh, look, I'm with you. I think he'll be fine. I, I think we also have to take into account the elbow's just not as strong, and that's no. okay. If he no. can't re-injure himself, <clears throat> but he doesn't have quite exactly the same strength, <clears throat> I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because he's still doing yeah. a lot. The other thing is they've ramped up 
He he's almost every single day now. He's working at first base, taking grounders and making throws, and he's he's doing that almost every single day. So <clears throat> it feels like that's going to happen relatively soon after the All Star break. And I know you know we talked about it a lot. You'd rather they err on the side of caution. Yep. <clears throat> but I think he is going to be out there at first base, if not maybe the first series, but the first may, maybe like. Uh, late July, I think we could see him that soon at first base. Well, you know, what did Rob Rob Thompson say? Basically, we're not going to we're not going to rush him to do anything. We understand all the different angle throws you make at first base compared to the outfield. And I brought up the point, you know, when you're throwing from the outfield, you put your whole body motion behind it. There's less yeah. pressure on that arm. Right. You know, when you're playing first base, you're throwing underhand sidearm. You're making quick snap throws. Any and everything that could add irritation to that elbow again. That's my concern with him. Um, it, it looks like they're going to put him there. I don't think they need him there, to be honest. But if you if you can move him to first base, move Schwarber to DH and put somebody else in left, okay, maybe 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 Schwarber's numbers at the plate, I mean batting average, mm-hmm. goes up along with the home run totals. I mean, he's, he's popping the ball pretty good. You know, but it's, he's always been an either-or hitter. He's either hitting it out of the yard. Right. Or he's got, you know, what is he over a hundred strikeouts already? Oh yeah. You know, so <laughs> he, he's over, he's over the C note, le- C note level of, of strikeouts. Uh, he, he's <laughs> at, he's at 108 right now. He's 108. We haven't hit the all-star break. Nope. And they still have five games to go yet yep. before the all-star break. Yeah. You know, yeah. but if you make him a DH, maybe that, maybe that clears his mind in terms of playing, playing in the field and just focus on hitting. You yeah. Know? I agree with you. I agree with you. All right, let's come back a little NFL. Let's dig into the NFL. we got a lot to do. We continue our greatest series. It'll be the Broncos today, but tons of other stuff to get into. Maybe a little tension between Belichick and Kraft. Could that be, Derek? So we'll talk about that. Buda Baker update for you. Some Cowboys news. Uh, CJ GJ chimes in on the field at the Super Bowl. We'll dig into all that stuff. When we come back, don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I want to tell you right now about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, they are an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They're experts at trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania and northern Delaware. Flynn Tree Services specializes in tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. You can go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848, or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's flynntreeservices.com. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Are back. He is the gun. I am R. Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Appreciate you hanging out with us on this Wednesday. Uh, all right, let's talk a little NFL, Derek. Um, so a couple things. One, um, I saw the NFL over the weekend. Uh, well, actually, Pro Football Talk had it, which I, I thought was uh, was interesting. How the the NFL is basically trying to sort of like low key uh, how the, the, the cleats were at fault for the uh, for the stadium in Arizona. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they're going down that road. Right. First of all, it's, that's patently absurd. Like the, if if you're playing the game in a retractable dome and you're having right. spike issues, either team, that's a you problem. That's a league problem but they'll never admit to this, you know, because that's the way the league is and they can get away with it because they're, they're Teflon, but it's, first of all, that's a joke. And I'll get to what CJ GJ said in a minute, but, but I'm curious where you, where you fall on that. So you wait until late June, early July to come out with that statement. You had all this time between February 12th, 14th, whatever it was. And now to thoroughly analyze the situation and you wait until now to come out with that statement. Yep. That's, that's the classic cover up. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, um, because they're going to support the person that was hired to tend to the field. You know, they put in a new field X amount of weeks prior to that Super Bowl. And basically the trial and error didn't work. Now, it's not uncommon to have a new field rolled out. Derek. All right, Derek, we'll get him straightened out. Uh, Gunner, if you could hear me, you froze up a little bit there, my friend, but we will, uh, we'll get you taken care of it. In the, in the meantime, we'll go back to what Derek had to say, but uh, here's what CJ Gardner Johnson had to say, uh, quote, regarding this quote, man, pregame, I went through three different cleats. Even the studs wasn't working. Explain that, please. And then he went on to say, run that damn bull back on legit grass. That D-line, smash that O-line. I'm sorry. Look, here's the thing. You, you don't want to come off like 40, 40 winers, right? None of us wanted to, want to. And I think to the Eagles' credit, and I asked Lane Johnson a little bit earlier uh, about that. Yeah, Jake's right. <laughs> yeah, the NFL got the D-gun. Um, 
<laughs> so Christy was uh it was pretty funny. Uh-oh, CJGJ bad video, Juju vibes out on D gun. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um you don't want to come off like whiners. That's clear. But we all saw what it was like out there. And it, it to just say that it was hey, both teams were out there is not incorrect. You know, Lane Johnson, we asked him about it a little bit earlier, and he essentially said the same thing. He said it was like playing on on a putting green. Where any time you try to dig in, you know the turf just came up and you were you were slipping and sliding. And he said both teams were dealing with it. We make no excuses. Props to the Eagles because they've handled it with utter class. Okay, but here's what I would say: it's not apples to apples when you say both teams were out there. The Eagles were a team that was much more based on quickness and pass rushing and their ability to get off the edge and get to the quarterback. It's the reason why they had 70 sacks on the season. It hurt them more. Now, does that is that the sole excuse why they lost? No, they had a critical turnover. They couldn't get stops in the second half and all those kind of things. But but to, you know, let's at least acknowledge the elephant in the room that whatever it was, even if you you want to just say that it was just the Eagles, okay? Or, or I'm sorry, if you you don't want to say it was just the Eagles, it was both teams. That's fine. The league, what bothers me about the league, and again, they know they can get away with it because they are Teflon. What bothers me about the league is it's okay to admit a mistake. Why couldn't Roger Goodell or whomever is in charge of that just come out and say, you know what, um, we weren't really satisfied with the turf either. And we're going to do everything we can to correct that and make sure we don't have the same problem next year in Vegas because they're using the same kind of turf. And it's the same system that they have where the turf sits outside and it, and it sort of it, it retracts and comes back in and all those kind of things. To just come out and say, you know what, we don't think it was acceptable for either team, and we're not happy about it, and we're going to make sure that that, uh, that uh, it doesn't happen. Now, I'm sure those discussions were have have had have happened behind closed doors quite a bit, but you owe it to your fans to say it publicly. I'll give you my theory on one of the reasons they don't. One of the reasons I don't think they would come out with something like that publicly, I think they would open themselves up potentially to a lawsuit. Someone who bet on the game, somebody who bet, you know, a total on the game, somebody who had a certain side like the Eagles, maybe perhaps in the game. And if that team doesn't cover or whatever the bet is that you placed, you could spin it into, hey, that turf cost me. So I'm going to sue the league. I think it's a liability thing. And I think that's why they won't come out publicly and say it. I do. I think that absolutely is why. Uh, so look, to me, there's a lot of different reasons. I think it's just the fact that they can get away with it and they know that we are, we will keep coming back for more because we are football addicts. And I think there's also a big piece. I mentioned this yesterday on the radio about the gambling thing. And I do think that that plays a part in it. So look, it's frustrating. It's I'm sure it's incredibly frustrating for the fans. Uh, certainly very frustrating for, for people who are observers and people who watch the team and, and all those kind of things. It is, it is beyond frustrating and it, and it better not happen again. Like if you're seeing the same thing happen with whomever is playing in the Super Bowl next year, you know, there's, there is going to be hell to pay, I think uh, for the league in a lot of ways. So bad job over the, uh, with the league and bad job for them to continue to like weasel this stuff out. Like, okay, let, let's parse out in July when everybody's forgotten about it, which they haven't, by the way, but let, let's just throw that little thing out there that we believe it was the cleats. Give me a break. Give me a break. The Eagles played at that place earlier last season, if you remember, and didn't have those problems. You know, 
I think that turf, people aren't in love with that turf, but they didn't have near the kind of issues that they had at the Super Bowl when they played it there earlier in the season. So it's going to be interesting to see if, if there's ever any kind of admission. Uh, I wouldn't hold your breath, people. Uh, that much is for sure. Yeah, a little bit later, we'll get into our uh, to the Broncos with our greatest series. If you're not familiar with the greatest series, so what we generally do, um, and we'll do this leading up to camp, which is about 20 days away. So we have around that many teams left somewhere around there. We go, I've, I have a fly here like Lane Johnson had. I don't know if you guys can see that, but I didn't get it. I didn't do a Miyagi with the chopsticks and get the thing. Um, but uh, we've been going through teams and their greatest players, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, Derek had to pop off some technical problems, but he'll be back at some point uh, where the Broncos, which was a fun team to do, by the way, but a couple other odds and ends uh, football wise, Buda Baker, the safety from the Cardinals, who was not happy being there. He wants to be traded. He was the guy who was mentioned quite a bit early in the off season, maybe potentially coming to the Eagles. Uh, he is uh, going to show up for camp with the Cardinals. He doesn't want to be that kind of distraction. I'm sure he doesn't want to be fined and I don't blame him. Um, you know, a lot of times when you, when you take that route, um, it's usually you know the, the, the best way to, I think, facilitate something happening. Now, I think it's going to be an awful season for the Cardinals. I think they're going to be bad. I don't think they have a lot of talent. I think they lost talent off a team that wasn't very good to begin with. They have a new coach. We know it's Jonathan Gannon. Kyler Murray's not even going to be able to start the season, and when he is in there, I don't love him necessarily either. Um, so I think it's going to be a rough year, which I think could help Baker maybe get moved during the season. I think that is a distinct possibility that, you know, and these things happen in camp sometimes, you know, another team that, that feels like they have playoff hopes or Super Bowl aspirations has an injury to the safety position. You know, that very well could happen. You know, Baker's making a good amount of money for, for the safety spot. The Eagles generally don't like paying their safeties a lot of money. Hence one of the reasons why CJGJ walked, um, so it may not necessarily be here, but it could be somewhere else uh, that you can end up getting traded. So we'll keep our eye on that with Buda Baker for sure and see where it works. Jake doesn't think that uh, that Jonathan Gannon gets past week 18. I, I think he, I think he gets through the full year. I, I do. Um, I don't think anybody wants to have a, a Nathaniel Hackett situation where you have to bounce him before the season's over because that's a big-time admission, man, that, that somebody screwed up here. You know, if, if the guy you hire doesn't make it through the year, that's a bad look on you as a front office. So, you know, we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, good, uh, good story here. Foster Moreau, who was a tight end for the saints. He was diagnosed with cancer, um, prior to the, uh, actually the very beginning of the off season when he came physical. And the good thing is he is in full remission right now. He is cancer free. Uh, he has no restrictions or limitations, on what he's going to be able to do uh, in camp for them this year. So he is, again, knock on wood, uh, all good as far as that goes. Look who's back. Look who it is. I got him. Can you hear, can you hear me? Yeah. Um, so power just went out in the whole house. And so I went outside. I see my some neighbors walking around. So, and they're all standing out there. No power. So it's, we took a power hitting the development. Nobody uh, has power. Well, what are you going to do? I mean, that's, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Um, Hey, you can't control it, man. You know what I mean? There's only so many things you can control. So Marcus thinks the Eagles go 12 and five NFC East champs. Yeah. I look, I don't think that's uh I don't think that's crazy. You know, I think 12 and five and you're, 
you're maybe two games less record-wise than you were last year with a with a much more difficult schedule. That's still a damn good season, and I think it wins you the division. I do. Uh, I don't know that it gets you the number one seed. It depends on San Francisco, but I think it gets you pretty close. Uh, if that's the case, I think it gets you right there. Um, because you know San Francisco doesn't have a cakewalk kind of schedule either. Either Dallas has a very similar no. schedule yeah. to the Eagles, so they both have tough. If, the Eagles, if the Eagles go twelve and five with this schedule. That's as good as going 14 and three last year, to be honest. Right. Especially when you consider that murderer's row they've got of that five game stretch mm-hmm. from Kansas City to Baltimore. Um, Out of the bye, to, yeah. Uh, to Buffalo and, and beyond. Uh, that's no joke. Um, and it, the thing is, health is the key. Obviously, that's the key. You got to, you got, and with everybody looking at you as their, as their Super Bowl for 17 weeks. They're going to hit a little bit harder. They want to. They want to show you up a little bit more. And you know, we as we know, crazy things happen in this game. Mm-hmm. If they can stay healthy, they got as good a shot to, to to win twelve games as anybody in the conference. And again, you know, Dallas basically has the same schedule. Washington Giants, 49ers don't have an easy schedule. So it's not like uh, somebody's just going to blow the Eagles out of the water and get home field advantage. It's going to be a struggle for everybody. Minnesota. Okay. Defensively, it's not as good. Even though they have new uh, Brian Flores coordinating that defense now, he's got to incorporate new players. <laughs> Mr. Tass is D-Gun about to drive to Panera. No, that's a Rob Ellis thing. The closest Panera bread to us is – how many miles is Panera for, to us, huh? Uh, it's about, it's about 20 takes about 20 minutes to get to the oh, closest. No, that, that ain't, ain't going to work. No, no, no. No. Said, no, 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 you can't do that, D-Gun. <laughs> but, but look at San Francisco's schedule. So they, they start off – they're at Pittsburgh – uh, yeah. they're, they're at the Rams. That should be a winnable game, but then they get their, uh, they're home for the giants. Not easy home for the Cardinals should be a win, but then they're home Cowboys. Not easy at Cleveland. Not easy at Minnesota. Not easy. Bengals home. You know, then they get the bye at Jacksonville. That's a tough one. Two games later at Seattle at the Eagles, Seattle again at home, two games later, Baltimore at home. I mean, that's, you know, so I, I get it. We're, we're hyper-focused on the Eagles. I understand that, but still. Both of these teams, and Dallas' schedule is very similar to the Eagles. They have tough, tough schedules. So just keep in mind, I think mo- I think the win totals sort of across the board are going to be down a little bit this year uh, in the NFC. Not not that it's I the harder think- conference. Yeah, it's not a harder conference. The AFC is, but still, you're, you're playing some uh, some tough schedules there. All right, did you see this too, Derek? There's, so there's a little bit of tension uh, between Bill Belichick and, and Robert Kraft, the owner. Now, it, it's not – Nobody's screaming and yelling at each other. But if you read between the lines to a couple little things here and there, you can kind of start to see some cracks, maybe a little bit. So it's been three years since Brady left. They got to the playoffs once, and that was a 47-17 loss to the Bills. Okay, Very mediocre Mm -hmm. last year. He tried that experiment with with Patricia and Judge as the offensive coordinator. You know, not good. But, But let's walk through this for a minute. So Robert Kraft was meeting at the at the league meetings in Arizona over the uh, over in the spring. Yep. And he was asked a question. Uh, you, he's, the question was, you guys have posted losing records two of the last three seasons. If that happens again, could Bill Belichick's job be in jeopardy or is he here to break Don Shula's all time win record and beyond? So the response was, quote, look, I like to break Don Shula's record, but I'm not looking for any of our players to get stats, to get great stats. We're talking about winning uh, and whatever we do, you know, we want to try to win. And that's what our focus is now. And I, it's very important for me to make the playoffs. And that's what I hope happens next year. Okay. 
So, you know, a little food for thought. So what Belichick has sort of started to do as well, I don't think he's in love with the aggression of the front office. He's pointed out in the past that through from 2022, 2020 through 2022, so that's the years without Brady, they've, they've ranked 27th in spending. And he's, you know, he's made that known, you know, that he's hinted that, hey, we haven't spent the way that we could have to bring in as quality a team as we could have. So, you know, how much of this is real? How much of this is just, hey, look, you know, they haven't been playing as well. They haven't made the playoffs the last couple of years. Well, you have an owner and a coach who were at the forefront of success for such a long time, more than a decade. When you win a division title 15 years in a row, you go to 10 Super Bowls over that time frame and you win seven. There's a certain measure of excellence that is expected. But if the owner is pointing at the coach and the coach is pointing at the owner and the front office personnel, that does cause a lot of unnecessary tension. Now, it will always be always be Robert Kraft's team until he either decides to to sell it or he dies and 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 and, and he leaves it to somebody in the family or however however it's taken care of. As far as Bill Belichick goes, I don't think he has one concern in any way, shape, or form that if this is his last season. He has two options, and I'm sure he's comfortable either way. Number one, he can retire right off into the sunset as one of the greatest coaches that ever coached in the history of pro football. And number two, you're going to have a number of teams after this season camping at his door to see if they can lure Bill Belichick to come to their team. And we will spend the money for you, Bill, Mm -hmm. and see if you can build us the winner the way you built New England. So he's in great shape either way. Well, And what you know about him is if Kraft showed him the door, that would motivate him. He would he would continue coaching just to sh- to stick at the craft. That's the kind of guy Belichick uh, Belichick is. So I think that. Well, would- I think, well he's o- he's over seventy now. He him is. And, him, and Pete, him and Pete Carroll both over seventy. Yep. And the fact that they're still coaches, still vibrant coaches in the National Football League, you know, God bless them. You know, uh, there are not many guys that want to coach into their seventies. I believe Andy Reid's going to be one of those coaches who coach because he's sixty seven now. I don't right. see Andy Reid stepping down unless you you take him out of a building kicking and screaming, you know, and yeah. you know, it, it's in your blood. It's in your DNA. It's all, you know, they love to win. They love to train, love to compete, love to mold young men into a, a complete, you know, entities mm-hmm. and to be, to stand tall as one of the best of the best. So, you know, that's why I said, whether it's new England or somewhere else, if Bill Belichick wants to coach Bill Belichick, will have a job. I hear you know, who knows. And after going through something like this, if the tension increases, Who's to say Belichick doesn't want to take a year off after this year just to collect his thoughts, get away, you know, extended vacations, do what he wants to do, and then get back in a game? Could be. He'll still have people camping at his doorstep. Oh, he, he could write his own ticket. That's for sure. All right. So Josh Allen says that the media blew the whole Stefan Diggs thing out of proportion. If you remember, they had their uh, their OTAs, and Sean McDermott, not the media. Sean McDermott used the words very concerned when asked why Stefan Diggs wasn't at the OTAs. Um, it come to find out he was there the day before he was kind of there the neck, the, the day of, but then they sent him home. We find out that he's not happy. Uh, Alan himself talked about how he needs to do a better job communicating with him. Like the media didn't have Stefan Diggs, not there. The media didn't use the words very concerned. You, the media was the one who said, we have to continue to grow our relationship. I, I put some of this blame on me. 
this was you. This was your coach. This exactly. was the fun thing. Give me a break, Josh Allen, trying to spin this into a media thing. It's a joke. Uh, the fact that they had the nerve to say the media blew it out of proportion, you know, the media noticed he wasn't there and they took it and ran it from there. Not, not us. You know, the media, the media does its share day in and day out across the board of sensationalizing and blowing things out of proportion. This was on the organization. You, you should have thought about this. You're going to tell me they didn't have an inkling of what was going on before it became public. Right. They, they had to know how Stefan Diggs felt before this became public. And they did a poor job in-house of rallying the troops behind closed doors. And this is our unified statement pertaining to this. That's who that's who dropped the ball, them, not the media. I agree. I look, I couldn't agree with you more. So I, I thought it was really weak by Josh Allen, you know, just like to me, more than anything else, just hey, we're, we're, we all, we all want to make sure we're on the same page. Not a big deal. We'll, we'll get it rolling by the time camp starts. Like that's it. By the time we all have to be here. So yeah, I, yeah, I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty sad. All right. Cowboys are going to have their own Netflix docu-series, 10 episodes. $50 million for the 10 episodes. Yep. Yes. Um, I will say this. It will probably be the lowest rated show watched by the <laughs> Philadelphia market, <laughs> but it will probably be one of the most successful documentaries. There is still, even though Dallas hasn't been relevant playoff wise for 25, 26 years, there is still an, such an intrigue about that organization from the owner to the team itself, um, that it will probably be a very good success in terms of viewership. Um, Philadelphia area won't watch it, or they'll watch it just to break it down and chastise it. But um, I would I would go on, out on the limb and say it's going to be a success because it's the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Um, there's only a few teams. I don't even know if this – when you look at the history of the San Francisco 49ers, I don't even know if the 49ers would generate the interest in a documentary the way Dallas will because Dallas has so many characters come through that organization. I would uh, agree with you. Yeah. You I, I, I yeah, I would agree. I like, I hate to give them any kind of credit, credit for anything, but, but you know, there's a reason why they're on national TV all the time because they're a love or hate, which means people tune in, you tune in to, to hate them, to rip them. You tune in because you love them. Yeah. So it's smart business. Uh, I don't blame Netflix one bit. My question I have is what's what is going to distinguish this from hard knocks? Like what's the what's the difference? This is what I would like to know. What is the access? Is it better access? Is it is it more uh, guys mic'd up? Like what is it? What's going to make it different? Because they do a pretty good job with hard knocks too. Yeah, they do. Um, but there's I think there's more of a controlling element. I would. I would imagine if you're paying $50 million, you go in with the mindset, look, you cannot tell us what we can air, what we cannot. If you say it, we can air it. See, with Hard Knocks, there's a lot of stuff left on the cutting room floor before it airs because that's a league control thing. But when it comes to if, – if I'm if I'm independent company paying for a documentary, yeah. you know, in this case, I don't want any holes barred. And Dallas is that one franchise. Jerry Jones is going to speak his mind no matter what. You have past players, Michael Irvin, Deion Sanders, you name them. They're going to speak their minds no matter what. Charles Haley, mm-hmm. all these guys, all these all these Hall of Fame players, they're going to speak their minds no matter what. That's why I think Dallas is so appealing in a documentary like this. Yeah. Whether you like them or not, 
You have some think about it historically. You have some characters come through that organization, man. Yeah, and look, they're also coming off yet another disappointing season. They made some changes where McCarthy's taking this over. There's a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott. Uh, looks like there's not going to be Ezekiel Elliott again. You know, Jerry's always great for a quote. You know, and the older he gets, the the, the less he cares. Uh, you know, he'll just say anything. So there's there's like a there's a lot of advantages to to the Cowboys. I get it. See, see, um, Adams exploit says the Chiefs and the Forty Winers seem more popular than the Cowboys these days. See, that's 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 the these days, yes. But historically, Dallas is still an intriguing organization that a lot of people, whether you like them or not, a lot of people want to know. You know how the, the old the old uh, publication, the Inquirer, yeah. inquiring minds want to know. They want to know the behind the scenes stuff. Jerry Jones is the most visible owner in the NFL. See, if you go to the 49ers or the Chiefs, they're not as visible. Right. You know, you think about their front office people, they're not as visible as, as, as Jerry Jones. Nobody is for that matter. Mm-hmm. Jerry Jones is like the league's un, 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 unwanted spokesman. Think about <laughs> it. If the league could control Jerry Jones. Unsolicited. Yeah. 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 But he's going to say what he's going to say. How many owners do you know have their own radio show? Every week, every Monday after a game, he does he does Dallas radio. It's crazy. And not only that, how many owners do you know that come out and 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 tell you something about an injury report or something going on in house before the coach has a chance to step to the podium and answer the media? It's true. He puts his coaches in unenviable situations. Yep. And so people people want to hear it, whether they like it or not. People are going to want to hear this stuff. Yeah, you're right. To be honest with you, I'm I'll watch. Mm -hmm. Will you watch? Yeah, I'll watch it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I will. I will. Uh, I'll watch it for sure. Um, all right, let, let's do. Uh, let's continue with the greatest, Derek. We do the Broncos today. Again, oh. another team with a lot with a lot of players to choose from. I think a pretty obvious one, but you could make it the you know pretty good argument for a bunch of guys being two, three, four. Uh, how much do you mix in? You know the guys who have played a little bit more recently, etc. So. Um, well, let's start with number one. It's Elway, right? I mean, is there any argument there uh, on who's number one? No, no. Okay. Absolutely 16 not. seasons. He won two. He went off into the sunset after winning back-to-back, which is unbelievable. Um, and he got to five altogether. I, I mean, just unbelievable career. Insane. Did you know, of all the accolades that John Elway has, did you know that he's one of only two players – that scored a touchdown, a rushing touchdown in four different Super Bowls? No. He's no. only – him and Thurman Thomas are the only two players that can say they've scored touchdowns rushing in, in, in four different Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean, how many players have played in four Super Bowls? Think about that. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. That's and, pretty and amazing. And the thing is mind-boggling is, is, is as well as he played through his career, his career passing completion percentage is 56.9. Now, John yeah. Elway was a gunslinger. Yeah, he was. 56.9 is his completion percentage for his career. I'm only surprised times, by that. I think, it was, I think it's only three times in his career that he threw for over 60%. Hmm. <laughs> That's unbelievable. It is. I mean, it shows you how the game's changed a little bit. It also shows you that, you know, I think, uh, you know, he had good – like Rod Smith was good. And yes. he certainly had Shannon Sharp, who we'll get to in a second. But 
I don't know that he had super standout receivers his whole career. He had good ones, but not uh, maybe Ed, not Ed McCaffrey. Ones. Yeah, solid, solid, you know, yeah. solid. Yeah, yeah. But Man. but not, you're right. Other than other than Shannon Sharp at tight end, I don't think he ever had so called a collection of marquee wide receivers. Not a, not a ton. Yeah, not a ton yeah. um, throughout his career. But Okay, so he's one. Who's two for you? Or, or who's two, next, dude? Yeah. Number two for me, wow, it was a tough one, but I'd have to say Shannon Sharp. Same. You know, Yeah, the only was, thing he left for a few years to go to Baltimore, but, yeah. but he had great years, and then he came back and finished his career there too. You know, not bad for a seventh-round draft pick out of, you know, a little, little town in Georgia. You yeah, know. Savannah State, I think he went Savannah to. Or State, or yeah, yeah, where he went. Um and what he did, you know, three-time Super Bowl champ, parlayed that into a Hall of Fame career. Um, I think he uh, he's third all-time in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving TDs for a tight end. That's not bad. He was actually the first tight end ever to surpass 10,000 yards receiving. Mm. You know. That's and spectacular. Know, yeah. And I'm he was a guy who could, who could do it down the field. Who, who who did some you know the usual traditional stuff? The guy was just awesome. He was just awesome. I, I loved watching the uh, documentary on him and his brother when they go back to their home, and you look at the house they grew up in with a bunch of uh, uh, siblings and relatives, and they walk around and they talk about how many guys, how many of family members had to sleep in one room, and then when he made it to the Hall of Fame, uh, and he stepped to the podium and his Hall of Fame speech entailed, he said, "This was not for me. This was for my brother." Because Sterling Sharp, who was, who was a phenomenal receiver for Green Bay before he had that neck injury, yep. Sterling Sharp would have been a Hall of Famer had his career now been cut short. And he stood at the podium and said, this is not for me, this is my brother. And you see Sterling break down and cry uh, in the audience in attendance there. Um, yep. You talk about a rag to riches story. Boy, I tell you what, him and his brother lived it, man. They did. They did. And it's a shame uh, Sterling would was a surefire Hall of Fame. I still think he should be in, but he got hurt. Uh, for people who may not remember that far back, and it ended his career. Uh, he had a neck injury that ended his career. He would have been in, no doubt. So both guys would have been in. Um, yeah, I had him at the second as well. I, look, I, this is not sexy pick, but this was a great player. Tom Nalen was a great center for them. Uh, yes. Five Pro Bowls, was a fixture during the Elway years. Uh, the guy was a beast. I mean, he could do everything. So – I. I have him at that point. I, I know there's other guys you could argue ahead of him, but I thought the guy was a great Bronco. I, I agree. Um, I, whenever we do these lists, I put 10 to 12 guys on there. I know we talk about 10. Um, yeah. I put 12, like 12, 13 guys, and he was definitely one of I remember him playing, man. Yep. And he was the epitome of consistency yep. when he played center for the Denver Broncos, dude. You know, unfortunately, a lot of centers don't get a lot of accolades. Now, Kelsey's rare that we even yeah, know his Kelsey name. He, he, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but 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 there was nobody better than than him back in his day. No yeah. question about it. Good player. All right, who do you got next? Um, we talk about players who should make the Hall of Fame, and this one has always been a big question mark to me. But Terrell Davis yeah. was a phenomenal running back, but he only played seven seasons in the National Football League, and yet he still made the Hall of Fame. Yep. And when you look at his overall numbers, and and I think his greatest story is the fact that you know the latter part of his career. He played. He dealt with migraines. He played with through migraines. Now you think about all the head banging you take as a running back, and he played games with severe migraine headaches. Sometimes to a point where he would have to come out occasionally yeah. before he could go back in. Yeah. But but the fact that he he was considered a Hall of Fame player, and he was as tough as they come. He wasn't wasn't the biggest back on the block. 
But, man, you talk about tough runner between the tackles. Um, and he, he had over 6,000 yards for his career, uh, which is well, – uh, correction, over 7,000 yards in his career, which is not what you would consider Hall of Fame worthy. Mm-hmm. Yet the decision makers, for whatever the case may be, voted him into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, um, I mean, I think Jim, you know, does Elway get his rings without Davis? He may not. You know, he may not. Maybe not. The, the knock for me is just the lack of years played. And and granted, it was only a couple of years less than uh, uh, Jim Brown played or uh, Barry Sanders played. I, I, I think, look, if you're asking me, I think Terrell Davis is right on the borderline and, and – and would fall a little bit short for me. Uh, I don't have an ax to grind against the guy. He's in, it's fine. Good for him. I wouldn't have put him in personally. I wouldn't either, but yeah, for whatever the case may be, he he must, he knew the right people because he's in there. Yeah, he's in. He is. Okay. Uh, It's an interesting one. I'll look, let me give Rod Smith a little bit of love. Uh, Even though I said he didn't necessarily have great receivers. This guy had over 11,000 receiving yards. I mean, that's a lot of yards in the NFL. Um, Three pro bowls was really dependable, like just a just a really, really good, good player for the Broncos for a long time. He, 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 only, uh, he only had 849 receptions and yet tallied over 11,300-plus yards. Played all 14 of his seasons with the Denver Broncos, and that yeah. tells you what they thought of him. But you're right, uh, good talent, w- wasn't considered a great and, – and he's not in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. you know. Um wasn't considered one of the upper echelon wideouts in the game, but he was Mr. Steady. He didn't drop many passes. He could get separation. He was physical when he had to be, could run away from people when he had to be. He was everything you wanted in a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I agree. Yeah. I don't know what else you can say about that guy. Yeah, five. I mean, how many times did he get to the Pro Bowl? Only uh, three. Only three Pro Bowls. Should have gotten you know, more. He was a good punt returner also. He averaged yeah. almost 12 and a half yards per punt return. Yeah, I like I don't blame him. He should have been the Pro Bowl more than three. So, um, all right, I'll I'll uh, you 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 got it, Gunner. You're up. Yeah, where are you going? Um, I'd have I'd have to go with Floyd Little. Yeah, Floyd, Floyd Little was not just a great running back in Denver Bronco history. He was a great running back in NFL history as well. Five time Pro Bowler gets into the Hall of Fame in 2010. Um, you know what's weird about him is when he retired in 1975. I think about this. This is 1975. He was the NFL's all-time leading rusher with 6,323 yards. <laughs> That's crazy. Was the leading rusher all-time at that point. Wow. And look how it's been surpassed since then. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, it's A, it's it's a reflection of less games, I guess, in a lot of ways. But, yeah, that is that is crazy, man. That, that is really – that's a good one. Uh, I'll go a little, yeah, little bit more uh, new school. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, during his rookie year in the NFL, he led the league in punt return yards, 16.9 yards per return. That's a lot. See, a, a lot of those, I don't remember him as a punt returner. Mm-hmm. To be honest, but I, I don't either. I don't. Even, I don't remember at all. No, I didn't know that. All right, um, I'm going to go Von Miller. Uh, Von Miller's got eight Pro Bowls under his belt. Yes. You know, and I know he's moved on. I know he went to the Rams, and now he's in Buffalo. Like I get it. But you look at the pr- production he gave them for for years, the way he started his career, including winning a championship. Like yep. Von Miller deserves absolute recognition on an all-time Bronco list. There's no question, and he's going to continue. What does he have in his career? 110.5 sacks. Yep. Um, and he's going to continue on that trend as well. Um, 
he was a he was a defensive rookie of the year. He was a 2010 All Decade team. Yep. You know, not the biggest guy out there, six three two fifty, but, but but man, is he strong and lightning fast off the edge. Mm-hmm. And you know, I can't wait to see him play again this year. You know, he lost much of last season because of an injury. Yep. And I know he's in Buffalo now, but I still can't wait to see. He is one of the elite of the elite when it comes to guys coming off that edge. Yeah, I, I think he bounces back with a big year. I, I think look out for him this year. I think I think Von Miller's going to come out firing this year. Uh, all right, what's next? Who else? Who else? Do you have? Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey played 16 seasons in the NFL. His first five seasons he played with Washington, and then he did a 10-year stretch uh, with Denver, and he finished out his career. Uh, he, his last year was in uh, New Orleans, but I don't even think he made. He got cut before he actually played with New Orleans. Um, but he has 203 passes defended. That's the NFL record. Is that right? 203 wow. passes defended. Mm. That's an NFL record. You know, when at the combine, he was clocked at a 4-2-8 and a 40? That's how good he was. You talk about cover, yeah. tackle, physical, smart, everything you wanted from a cornerback. And the fact that he played quarterback for as long as he did. Yeah. It tells you about his physical attributes. I put him in that category of a Daryl Green. Oh, Daryl yeah. played into his 40s, and Daryl Green was still running a sub-440 into his early 40s. You know, um, Champ Bailey was that dude, man. Yeah. He was just the complete cornerback. They're freaks of nature, those guys. Yes. They really are. Yes. They really are. Um, a couple of guys I loved watching. I don't know that they necessarily should be ahead of some guys, but whatever. I'm going to throw – I'll throw two at you. I love Dennis Smith and Steve Atwater. They yes. were gonna, they were gonna, and it was a different league then, but they were gonna take some heads off, man. These yes. dudes were gonna get after you going across the middle. Steve Atwater would hit people and and, and make your bones crunch. He yep. was that tough. He was just a consummate, he was the intimidator on the back end of that Denver defense. Mm-hmm. Um he would just set receivers up. Anytime you, the I always say the ultimate respect. Uh, from a receiver for a DB is when a receiver goes over the middle and he's looking to find out where a certain number is before he looks for the ball. Yep. He's, he's alligator Atwater. arming or his yeah. head's on a swivel. Either one. Yeah, yeah. man. Yep. And, and Steve Atwater, man, I tell you what, he put a lot of hurt on a lot of people catching passes over the middle of the field. Yeah. He was a bad man. And Dennis Smith in his own right was a, was a phenomenal defensive back. Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh, he could play. Um, Another one I put on that list is Grant, uh, Randy Gratishar. Yes, linebacker. Middle yep. linebacker, unbelievable yep. middle linebacker. He was a part of that orange crust defense with Tom Jackson and all mm-hmm. those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, they were a nasty defense, man. Yeah. Anything you got against that, that defense in that era, you earned it. I mean, he was a seven-time pro baller, two-time first-team all-pro. He was the 14th overall pick in 1974 when he came out. Uh, defensive player of the year in 78. Um he went. To, he finished his career with fifty-two interceptions. Um, and 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 what was the else? Um, he became a starter midway through his rookie season out of necessity, and never gave the position up again. Wow. That's how good that's he was. Impre- yeah. yeah, that's a lot of interceptions from the linebacker position too. Yeah, it that's is. a lot. Um, I'll give Carl Mecklenburg a little bit of love too. He, oh. he was another one, man. Just just a, just a staple along that defensive line. I loved his. I loved his name. You know, it, it wasn't a traditional football name, but every week his name had to be called because these guys constantly making plays. 
Mm-hmm. No question about it. Mecklenburg, that's a great one. I, I almost forgot about him. Yeah, he was good. He was good. Anybody else you got? Uh, Lewis Wright, cornerback. Yep. Um, 12 seasons all in Denver. First-round pick for the Broncos. Um, you talk about a hitter from the cornerback spot. You know, we always talk about corners are not great tacklers. Corners are not great hitters. Lewis Wright was all of the above. Um, rock solid, defending, come up, laying lumber on people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would make you play. He would make you pay. Um, and, you know, he's not a name that a lot of people outside of Denver remember. But if you if you watch the game, Lewis Wright was a, was a, was a consummate pro. Uh, no question about it. Five-time pro bowler, four-time first-team all-pro. He only had 26 career interceptions. A lot of times teams will throw away from him. That's a, yeah. that's how good he was. Yep. Yeah, that's not a knock. They just didn't they wouldn't go after him. Um, right. I'll I'll give Tom Jackson a little love. You know, before he became a staple on ESPN with with Chris Berman, he played a long time. He was on that Broncos Super Bowl team that lost to the Cowboys uh in 77, but you know, p- played at a high level, stepped away where he probably had a couple years left to get into broadcasting. Uh right. but right. Excellent player, excellent player over the years. Mm. One more, um, one more I will add on to that is Ed McCaffrey. Yeah, you know, Ed McCaffrey wasn't a Hall of Famer, but you talk about, you know, we 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 talk about receivers that just had hands that would stick them. This dude came to him, you know. Yeah. Um, his first three seasons he played with the Giants, um, and then he put in a nine-year career together with Denver, finished with 55 touchdown catches. Um, mm. Won a Super Bowl with San Francisco. Won two Super Bowls in Denver. Um, at the at that time, when he had Elway, he set uh, a record for receptions in a season with 101. It wasn't commonplace for receivers to get 100 rece- uh, receptions in a season, and he held the record at that time with uh, 101. But you talking about steady Eddie? Um, he took a lot of big hits, but you couldn't keep yeah. him down. Made great catches, great hands. Wasn't the fastest guy. Wasn't the most physical guy, but he was very smart in terms of route running and getting separation. And him and Elway were on the same page game in and game out. Yeah, he was a safety blanket for sure for Elway. Yeah. And he was one of those guys, you you get it near him, get it in the neighborhood, he's going to bring it down because he had that long frame. It's funny. Like his son, Christian's not built anything like him. Like no. Ed was like skinny, tall, lanky, yeah. you know, not the fastest dude fast. in the world. No, yeah. and, and Christian McCaffrey's the total opposite. It's The, the constant Swiss Army knife. You know, can yeah. do it all. Speed. You know, you're right. So, so not only did Chris get to get the father genes, he enhanced them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And the mother was a great athlete too. So, yeah. Um, all right. So we'll step aside. Uh, we'll come uh, back. Uh, oh, oh do you have one more? Now, my wife just my my daughter, my oldest daughter, who's here, just checked with the power company. They hope to have power restored by 7 p.m. Eesh. Okay. All right. Well. Uh, let's let's keep our fingers crossed. Well, <laughs> luckily, we I'll be leaving here like at four, so it'll be up to my son and my other daughter. They'll be in the sweltering heat here, not me. I'm out of here. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. All right, so we'll uh, we'll do that when we come back. Uh, don't go anywhere. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We're Sports Take. We got birthdays, movies, all that good stuff. When we come back, all right, let's uh, let's talk about Razor Technology because data is everywhere in business today. But when it's locked away in silos, it can't be efficiently used. And businesses don't have time to wait for the insights that shape decision-making. Razor Technologies Data Management not only integrates data from wherever it's generated or collected, but it provides a uniform structure for storing, interpreting, and distributing it to decision-makers. 
Razor helps businesses transform and model their data, use the populate real-time dashboards, and create shareable reports that highlight key areas of progress as well as warning signs in need of attention. Smart data analytics and the tools to make data insights easily digestible help businesses of all sizes and types discover where they could be untapping significant savings. Razor technology can help you break down your silos and fully realize the value of your data to drive growth for your business. To learn more, contact Razor Technology today at 866-797-3282, 866-797-3282, or visit them online at razor-tech.com. That's razor-tech.com. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Back Final segment of the show Thanks for hanging out with us everybody We do appreciate it That's Derek Gunn 
I am Rob Ellis on this uh, Wednesday. All right, Derek. So a couple things. Uh, Devin Allen says that he is the fastest hands down man in the NFL. Uh, I don't think I'm going to argue with him on this one. I know, will he bully be in the NFL? We'll see. But he's he claims he's the fastest man, at least on a roster right now. Uh, I'd like to see him and uh, Quez Watkins do, run a 40. You know, everybody talked about how Quez was the fastest guy on the roster not too long ago. Mm-hmm. I would love to see those two go at it, but I'm not betting against Devin. Considering his accomplishments as a track man, I am not about to uh, put it, douse his his fire, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, be interesting. He's got a decision to make here um, because he has the opportunity to make some some bank and track. And, you know, he, he pursued his dream last year and he made the practice squad, which in and of itself was an accomplishment. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if we get a little bit more out of him in camp this year. Uh, El Trafico. If you're not familiar with it, is the uh, the LA Galaxy and LA Football Club uh, match that they they played at the Rose Bowl, Gunner, eighty two thousand one hundred and ten. That's an MLS single game attendance. That's a attendance record. That's a lot of folks there at that bad boy. You know, considering for years, how how long have we heard that you know soccer is not a highly popular sport in America? I, I think that narrative has changed significantly. Uh, over the last decade, uh, I think, uh, um, you know, more and more people tune into the world, more and more Americans are tuned into the World Cup over the last 10 years than ever before. More kids are playing soccer now than ever before. So there's a stronger following. And the fact that they put 80,000 plus in the run, I've been to the Rose Bowl. I know how big it is. Um, <laughs> the twist is soccer stinks. Eh? That's a matter of opinion. Um you know, that just tells you how the popularity has grown in this country in recent years. Yeah, it's a lot, right? That is a lot of folks at that game, man. That's for sure. Uh, ready to do a little uh, little birthday activity here? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. P.T. Barnum. P.T. Barnum, the man who was, who was credited with basically starting circuses and turned it into a, a cottage business, uh, was born on this day in 1810. P.T. Barnum, uh, that was... For years, man, that was that was where it was at. And then um, sold to Ringling Brothers in 1907. Think about how many circuses you were you you went to as a child in your lifetime. Tons. It was an annual. It was like an annual event in my home. But it yeah. goes to Pete, you know, Ringling Brothers, PT, and Barnum and Bailey. Yep. circus, yeah. I, I um, felt like we went once a year for some somewhere every other year or something like that. Yeah. And did you know the uh, Barnum and Bailey Museum is uh, down in Bradenton, Florida? No, I didn't know they had one. Okay, yeah, that's cool. The museum, yep. So, matter of fact, the museum is behind these wrought iron gates, black wrought iron gates. So I guess it's only open to the public certain hours of the day. And it's on a huge property. Man, it's like just a, I don't know how many acres this thing is, but a huge property huh. uh, and a big, big building. Every time when I used to cover the Pirates, we would go down there and we'd see if we get some free time, let's go there. It was always closed. So we never got to go into the actual museum. But yes, yeah, down there in Bray- the Bradenton area. Oh, wow. I, go, I would go check that out in a second if I was down there. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, we mentioned him a little bit earlier in the show, and it is his birthday today. Shohei Otani is 29 years old. Yep, Hopefully sir. those blisters aren't a big deal. Get them healed up. Let's continue to watch this guy You know, do something unprecedented for the second half of the baseball season. But looks like he won't be starting the All-Star game, but he, he could still participate as a hitter. So at least we'll get that much uh, mm. from Shohei, probably as a DH. Uh, but 29 years old, Edie Falco, who played Carmela in the uh, in the Soprano, she was the Tony's wife. 
Also, Great. Nurse Jackie. She's yeah, excellent actress, man. Real, really good. Uh, so she's 60 today. Huey Lewis of Huey Lewis and the News fame is 73 uh, today. This guy owned the 80s. That band owned the 80s. Yeah, he, did. he was also did he did a little cameo in Back to the Future too as the uh, was it like the gym teacher or I forget or the yeah. music teacher. Yeah. Uh, Catherine Hellman, who was the uh, she played the the older the mother in uh, in Who's the Boss? Yep. She was in Soap. Uh, she was very funny, very funny, very sort of flirtatious and, you know, out there a little bit. But she was funny. Uh, Catherine Hellman. Uh, Robbie Robertson of the band uh, is 80 today. He was, uh, you know, certainly he still is one of the all time influential m- musicians. All right. The Warren Oates was born on this day, 1928. You may not know who he is, but he played Sergeant Hulk in uh, in the Bill Murray movie Stripes. He yep. was a real instructor. Funny. Plus, he, he was always known for playing in a lot of the old westerns too, like Gunsmoke, The Big Valley, yep. Wagon Train. He had, he had a number of western roles. He wasn't a he wasn't considered a headliner, but he he was a very prominent actor in a lot of those old westerns. Yeah, he got a lot of work. Uh, you look at his IMDb. This guy constantly get, getting parts. Um, RZA of Wu Tang is fifty four years old. Uh, who's, you know, when you talk about one of the legendary hip hop bands and ever, but RZA, 54 years young today. Julie Nixon Eisenhower, one of Richard Nixon's daughters, uh, born on this day. Uh, actually, she's 73 years old, is Julie Nixon Eisenhower. The, the youngest daughter of Richard Nixon. That's right. That's 73, yep. Yeah, Richard and Pat Nixon. Um, Michael Stuhlberg is as an actor. He's getting a lot of good things. He's in, um, He's 55 today. He's in Your Honor, which is um, a Brian Cranston HBO series, which is very good. He plays the you know, one of the bad guys in that, but good actor, solid. He's a guy in name. You don't know the name, you see the face, you'd recognize the face. Yep. Mark Cohn, the singer, uh, "Walking in Memphis," uh, among other songs. Uh, he is 64 today. Uh, Goose Gossage, one of the most intimidating closers with that handlebar mustache and. Oh, yeah. the, he threw straight heat too, man. He was nasty. Uh, he is seventy-two. Uh, the wrestler Hillbilly Jim. Oh yeah, Hillbilly Jim, seventy-one today. <laughs> the overalls, the whole thing. Uh, one of the great receivers ever, too. James Lofton. James Lofton yep. was just like poetry in motion kind of guy. No matter where he was, whether it's the what was it, the Packers, the Bills, where, wherever yep. he played, the guy was a stud. Yeah, very good one. That's all I got uh, for for birthdays. What else do you have? Uh, Milburn Stone, name doesn't ring a bell. He played Doc on the old Gunsmoke uh, ah, TV series. Okay, he was born on this day in 1904. Uh, was it Don Stark uh, from the 70s show? Is 69 a day? Okay. Uh, Claudia Wells, who played Jennifer Parker in Back to the Future, is 57. Uh, Kel- uh, Kellen Moore, uh, offensive coordinator for the Chargers, is is only 35 today. Can you believe that? Jeez. Yeah, he was a coordinator at a really young age, yeah. Former boxer James Bonecrusher Tillis, 66 on this day. Uh, Former Heisman winner Johnny Rogers from Nebraska, 72 on this day. Okay. Uh, Ronald D. Moore, screenwriter. He wrote wrote so many for Star Trek, Outlander, uh, is 59 today. And former offensive guard Richie Incognito is 40 years old today. Richie was a different different kind of guy. All right. Oh, uh, it was an understatement. Whew. All right. Uh, movies. Weekend at Bernie's came out 1989, which 
spawned, a, a, I think, a couple of sequels somehow. How about that premise? The guy's dead. We're just going to drag a, drag him around for, for a few days. Okay, great, that's a hit. Great comedy movie. It was. It was very funny. Uh, the Way, Way Back, which is a good movie. If you haven't seen it, it's Steve Carell. Uh, it, it's it's well done. It, it's kind of yeah. a coming-of-age movie. Yep. Solid. Yeah, solid. There wasn't much else. Did you get you, anything else on no, your... No, that's, that's it. That's all I have, dude. Yeah, wasn't much of a movie day today. That's for sure. All right, uh, that's going to do it for us today. First off, let's thank Tone to Shields. Uh, Tone, we appreciate it, brother. Thanks as always, my man. Safe, safe trip. I uh, want to thank everybody in the chat section. You guys are the best. Uh, appreciate you and all your input. And again, you want to send us your emails, please do. Uh, you can send them to us, uh, you know, sportstake, uh, Jacob at gmail.com. There you go. Sportstake, Jacob at gmail.com. Send them our way. And uh, I want to thank everybody listening, everybody uh, streaming, everybody viewing. Don't go anywhere. Uh, you have three hours of power with Dan Cilio and the National Football Show. We'll be coming your way. Derek and I are back power. same time. Too much. What, what's huh? that? What's, what? what's power? I, I have none of that right now. I have no power. So that's a good My daughter had to run in here and hook me up on the hot spot and got me hooked, hooked back up. So I've, kudos I've, I've to my been daughter, there. Tina. Yeah, good job, Tina. Man. But it is, yeah, it's not fun when you're scrambling like that. I can tell you from firsthand knowledge. All right, Derek, good job today. Looking forward to hanging out with you tomorrow, man. Everybody, thanks for hanging. We will see you. For Derek, I'm Rob. We're Sports Take. See you tomorrow. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.